It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit worldafropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. Worldafropedia.com. Some people picked up some of the copies here. Here's the Constitution of the United States. Is this something that you use? Is this something that you throw in the trash or is it something that you use? It's something you use. It's nothing but words. The Fifth Amendment and the Fourteenth, those are the two that you use most on your job and any place else because those rules and regulations, circulars, policies. See, I had to ask somebody on the job once. I said, is this a law? He said, well, it's a regulation. I said, is this a law? Well, for all practical purposes, it's a law. I said, why don't you call it a law? See how they trick you? Watch those terms. Circulars. If you work, you know, in what you call, quote, unquote, the federal government, they send around stacks of paper, correct? Say, this is circular number 518. All right. This is policy number 134. This is regulation number 222. Policies. Regulations, circulars, rules. People write these things sometimes sitting at the lunch, I think. All right? But they govern everything about you. So what you can do, you can start using this. The Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments out of the Constitution. You don't need the whole thing. This is the whole Constitution. It's small. But just the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments. The Fifth does what? Due process. That's when they get ready to fire you. And they did fire you, because you couldn't keep them from it. But you've been out of there six weeks. But the thing about it, under the Constitution, Fifth Amendment, you can get a Johnny Cochran or somebody to walk in and say, they fired you, but they didn't go about doing it right. That's what due process means. Yeah, they fired you. They could do that, but they didn't go about doing it. Now, the reason it can help protect you 
is because if they start messing with the way this is written, it's going to mess up a whole bunch of white people. So you've got a certain amount of cover there. The other amendment is the 14th. That is equal protection of the laws. Thurgood Marshall used the 5th and the 14th all the time. He just went in slapping people with it. See, he didn't write it, but he just used it back and forth, back and forth to his dying day. And you can use it right there on the job rather than them rules and regulations, I'm telling you. Because those rules and regulations are, are written by the fellow who's getting rid of you. And he wrote one this morning just for you, okay, in the so-called agency. But if you put the, put the Constitution out there now in what you call a private concern, which they're privatizing everything, that's a little harder. Okay. Who got a question? The mic is somewhere. Is the mic somewhere? Yes, I just wanted to um, let some of the people know here that um, a lot of the things that Mr. Fuller is saying, they, that they actually work and that um, it, you, you have to take your time and work with it and listen to the words and experiment with it. And uh, a lot of people, we've gone to seminars where we meet with white people, we try it out at work. And um, just a couple quick examples. I was basically... I wasn't really fired, but I was uh, charged with something and stripped of all of my duties. Okay, stripped of all of my duties. And in talking with Mr. Fuller, you know, he was like, hold on, you know, you walk through the process. And I immediately went in and I said that, you know, because this action had taken place that I was going to conduct an investigation and that I suspected that there was um, subversion in the agency. And... I actually pulled out the copy of the Constitution, like he's showing, and, and, and you go through it, and it's due process. And, you know, they step back and they look, and you, you just go right to the person who's in charge, who at that time was a superior advisor, supervisor. And I told him that I was going to conduct an investigation, and I would pass out all the information found from my investigation, and that I would hope that he would use this information with all the other information that was around to find out if there was a law broken and whether or not it was myself who had broken the law. And I told him that it was quite possible that it was me who broke the law, but we were going to find out. As we walk through it, and um, it, it comes from dealing with white people a lot, it's words. It's all words. words. It's all words. And as we walked through it, it was, it was shown that um, there was another person who was involved that was not giving me particular and as the other brother had said um, correct information I wasn't getting correct information and it was very clear I didn't get upset when they told me they just knew I was going to freak out I said well as we hold the investigation all this will come out and uh, as it went through the person who didn't give me the correct information I didn't charge him with doing anything to me I charged him with doing things to the United States government Yes. Okay. Now, this, this, That's the way it's done. This is critical because what happens is it's just critical. as he said, then they can't come at you. The Constitution, NASA, the White House, everything is on my side now because I've made a charge that someone's not doing, some, is doing something against the U.S. government. Yes. Okay. And then what happened is the person, they blew up at me. And yeah. the person actually formed their mouth to call me a nigger. I mean, it was, it, was, it was amazing to see this person go off. Oh, yeah. The supervisor stepped in, you know, and said, you know, hold it, hold it, hold it. You know, we can calm down here. Everything's all right. Mm -hmm. and, and I said, well, I'm calm. You know, I said, I'm calm. 
as we, it's a long story, but as we step through it, then the stu supervisor takes on the, quote, judge role, okay? And, and I, I asked him, I said that if, if it's true that someone hasn't given the correct information and did it willfully, that that's a charge of subversion and we need to go to the inspector general. <laughs> if we don't go to the inspector general, then all of us are part of the conspiracy. Yeah. Okay? Now, I'll, all I need to know now is whether or not this is the type of charge that needs to go to the inspector general or not. Okay? And, and you'll see what's happening because now the judge shifts to you. And you're, and you're backing the, the, the laws of the agency. And if you read through the Constitution, except for about three points when they actually mention black people, it's a document for organization. It's a good document for organization, except when they try to count people based on color. As, as we walked through, it was over. He sent, the, he sent the one guy out. The guy came back in, and they decided in front of me, I mean, this was amazing. I never thought this would happen in my life, that they discussed in front of me how they were going to blame it on a third white person <laughs> who, who was not in the room, who was not in the room. The amazing part about it, and, and I have to admit that, you know, we had been, we, uh, we, we ran experiments with the code, and we had been listening to Dr. Wilson and Mr. Fuller for years, and we had practiced the techniques, and you have to stay real calm because they try to say things about you personally to get you off track. Yeah. They went all around the world. They said, well, you knew already, and, and you purposely didn't do anything. I said, well, if I knew, why did you have to come call me here? to tell me what I did wrong. If everyone knew what I did wrong, why didn't you just correct it? Do you, you see what I'm saying? Because yeah. we're all here to do a certain job. Right. Why is it all this thing about whose fault it is? Why didn't you correct it? And if you knew that something wasn't correct and you didn't correct it, that's against the agency. Okay, now, and, and I'll, I'll let you go quickly, but what happens is I'm saying it's the words. We really have to understand that they're the tools. Everything that you do, like he, Mr. Fuller says, Johnny Kirkman, it was words. It wasn't him, his, it and was the words that he used. used them. And how you See, used for them. one thing, for you, those of you that work for some kind of agency or something, never make a charge against the agency. That's a trick. Because now you're on your lonesome. Mm -hmm. You always say that somebody is subverting you in your duties to the agency. Yes. And now you want help in finding out who that somebody is. is. Now everybody has to marshal their forces, but make sure that what you're doing is, is correct. And usually with the average black person, it is. Because they're doing something against you. But see, you always say, you see, we, they have tricked us into going to it like we did in the third grade. He said, I said. We go in just like little children, which is what they call us, boys and girls. Mm -hmm. See, so we go in saying, you know, well, he insulted me, and then I said such, such a thing, and that's the way we write. When we write the report, and then she said this, and then I said this, and then she called me a no-good bitch, and then, see, that's the way we handle it. That's just the way we write it, just like mm -hmm. we did in the fourth grade. You don't do that. What you do is go in and say, now, I signed on to this agency to do my duties, and I always do what I'm told according to the support of the Constitution of the United States. That's what you tell them, if it's a United States issue. And all issues are, okay, from what you have been taught. So you're just playing back the record that they taught you in grade school. Mm -hmm. All right? 
say, now, in the performance of my duties, and this is the way I've written it up, I have probable cause to believe, using police language, probable cause to believe that someone is subverting me. Now, the gentleman mentioned something about names. See, I don't know who the someone is. But I am asking for help from the people who have sworn to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States to assist me in finding out who this someone is. Because we got a mole in here. All right? In so many words. You don't have to use that expression because that's a slang expression. But they know what it means in intelligence. Uh, you know, we got a person. I'm trying to, I come in here every day. I'm working hard. I'm, you know, I'm trying to perform my duties. I'm trying to get ahead, trying to make a little money. Now, someone is trying to undermine me. Might be a promotion coming up. Somebody's undermining you and getting that promotion. Now, that someone is undermining the Constitution because by normal progression, you're supposed to be getting, by due process, Fifth Amendment. See, and that's where you throw that in. You say, according to the Constitution, someone is subverting the Constitution of the United States. Mr. Anderson, I want to announce to this assembly that someone here, I know not who, it could be a mistake, I hope that it is, someone is in the process of subverting and take a copy of this with you, you know, subverting this document, which we have all sworn to protect and defend, if necessarily, with our lives. Now, we have someone who is subverting this document. Well, who is it? I mean, you're making this, that's a, that's a pretty strong act, and that's what I was told once. I said, you, uh, Mr. Fuller, <laughs> uh, you're making a pretty strong accusation here. I say, I stand by the accusation. Say, well, who is this person? Getting back to what you were saying. I don't know. But I thought that your office and with the intelligence staff that you have here, including yourself, you all can find out. See, now you are on the offense. Now, you might say, suppose white people, you know, Fuller's up here just playing games. No. Suppose white people that really work in your agency were sitting right in here, and I'm up here saying this, talking about code. See, when you're on the correct track, by them attacking you, all they're going to do is derail themselves after you have even told them what your strategy is. See, that's when you know that the code is pure. Isn't this correct, Mr. Reeves? You can yeah. tell them what you're going to do. Say, now, when I come in the office tomorrow, you can tap him on the shoulder while he's sitting there. When I come in the office tomorrow, this stuff that we talk about now, I'm going to use it. You know? I just, right. I just want to say word for word, just like we handed it out right in here. This is, we are in assembly. You're not listening to Fuller. You're listening to logic. See? And that's one thing the white supremacists cannot stand coming from you. Right. You just be a little patient. Keep your voice down. Don't start calling people MFs. And just use logic. And start walking through it, like Mr. Reeves said, step by step. And don't let them jump over nothing. Say, now, wait a minute, you're all talking a little fast here. Let's go back to point number two. I'm not through with that yet. Y'all have moved to point four. And just keep them at it. And they'll say, well, we don't have time. I was told that once. I said, well, I can come back. I'm on the clock. See? See, I can do this every day. Because I don't want to be down yonder doing all that work no way. Okay? 
So, I mean, you know, just set up another appointment. I can be here at whatever time you, I, you know, I can just bypass the place that I use to work, come right in here, and we can spend all day defending what? The Constitution. Context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Thursday, July 14th, two thousand. 16. So I have been told this is our weekly forum on workplace racism. Uh, we encourage non-white listeners, victims of racism, to dial in, share observations, problems, codification, strategies uh, to help solve problems without making any new problems on the job. Especially, uh, I'm going to make sure I say this several times as we roll through this program, and I think I've been saying it every week since we uh, began doing a separate segment exclusively for workplace racism. Any black people that are listening to this program, if you are an entrepreneur, self-employed, as they say, uh, if you work for someone on a job and you have successfully figured out this is the way to solve problems, uh, with racists and or other black people on the job, other victims of racism. If you have figured that out so that you don't have any problems, you get all your raises, you get all of your promotions, you get fantastic reviews. I mean, your reviews are so sparkling, they frame them on the job so that everyone can come by. You want an illustration of an exemplary employee at evaluation? Here you go, right here, framed. That autograph, too. Anybody who has figured out how to do that, you should dial like immediately. I say, oh, the rest of you all, shut up, be quiet. You don't know what you're talking about. I have figured it out. This is what to do. Uh, if you want to take care of business on the J-O-B at all times, you will be straight. Uh, you will not have any problems. People telling you that you are aloof and not part of the family and too quiet and you're not a team player. Uh, and all the other racist rhetoric that they come up with uh, on the job. You were 30 seconds late, so we got to let you go. Anyone who has figured that out, you should call immediately. Beyond that, uh, if you are having difficulties, problems, certainly feel free to uh, chime in, share. I'm sure folks would be down to offer some suggestions uh, and try to process through it the best way uh, to try to resolve the issue, minimize the problem without making any new problems. Uh, if you have observations, things that you're seeing on the job, certainly dial in to share that as well, because I think that can be super helpful. Uh, if you have uh, just from your work experience, if you have times that you recall when maybe you were a little bit less informed about racism, white supremacy than you are presently, and you remember a specific situation where, man, this is how the situation uh, evolved at that time. Me not being as informed about racism. This is what I would do now. That can be very helpful. We have people that are listening to the program who are younger, who do not have an extensive work history. So it's good for them to hear uh, the type of things that they maybe should be on the lookout for and have some strategies in terms of how they would respond. Uh, and certainly I make sure to say this uh, weekly as well uh, policy and procedure uh, we say that on a regular basis in terms of that's one of the things that we can all do uh, on our job to be familiar with the policy and procedures uh, so that you know what is expected <coughs> excuse me of employees uh, if there is a specific section 
uh, the rules and regulations on your job, either that does not make sense, uh, is not enforced, uh, that is worded in a peculiar manner, uh, maybe even worded in a racist manner. We just heard that uh, in the audio section from Mr. Fuller. Words are very important in the way that they are used on the job and in the system of white supremacy on the whole. Uh, or if it's just a, a piece of policy and procedure that you didn't know about, uh, just going through it and reviewing, uh, it stood out as something that's important. Uh, definitely want to make sure that we share that as well. And, and I'll continue to encourage listeners uh, to make sure that you are familiar with your policy uh, and procedure uh, that can be very helpful to you on your job. With that, the number to dial 641-715-3640. The code is 564-943-POUND. Press star 6 if you would like to participate. The number again, 641-715-3640. The code is 564 three pound press star six if you would like to participate if you uh, want to email I know we do have people who are not able to participate uh, during the live broadcast make sure I get my encouragement this is not a spectator broadcast this is not one where it's just hey I, I'm gonna hang out and listen to Gus and the other folks who dial in uh, and hear what they're talking about entertaining to always hear what these folks have to say and their wacky adventures on the job this is not that sort of broadcast uh we do not need spectators uh in our effort to replace white supremacy with justice uh if you are a victim of racism and you have difficulties or observations or you have figured out some strategies that work on the job you should participate you should be actively participating not just spectating that is one of the problems that we have with regards to counter-racism, participate. You should not just have droves and droves of people that are on the calling in and not looking to speak. You should be looking to share at some point for this program, especially. At any rate, if you're not, if you have some circumstances, if it's loud where you are or whatever, and you're not able to participate vocally, you can email your situation in until justice at gmail.com until justice at gmail.com if you send it in during the broadcast we will share uh, as we proceed this evening uh, we had folks who wrote in uh, before the broadcast uh, I will share I think I can share all of these really quick and then I'll hit the phone lines uh, so uh, this is a black female uh, she wrote in uh, her situation uh, she said uh, that a white lady was saying that the killing in Baton Rouge that was uh, Alton uh, Sterling from last week where the uh, enforcement official suspected race soldier they had him uh, on the ground and handcuffed and they shot and killed him murdered him uh, she says uh, so I sit at work I hear the white woman announce the blacks have started their media frenzy again he had a gun for God's sake talking about Alton Sterling they should let the police do their job end quote I am the only non-white black person that works in this office area. We have a black female supervisor, but she was away on break. 
how could they be so heartless? I think that was a rhetorical question <laughs> because uh, that is what it means to be white. Uh, you are not supposed to empathize or have any compassion uh, for black people, victims of white supremacy ever under any circumstances. And she was just demonstrating uh, psychopathic racial personality. Bobby E. Wright, the late, the great doctor, Bobby E. Wright. Moving forward, a uh, person who wrote in uh, segment number two, uh, and this person uh, had uh, shared with us before uh, in the Wisconsin area where it was a specific uh, white suspected racist co-worker who was making lewd sexual comments. Uh, he had made one comment. The gist of it basically was uh, he and they do some sort of transportation uh, where they have to, to be in vehicles. And he had said something to this black female i think it might have even been more than one black female present uh that uh oh wow you know if you if we're in the vehicle uh if you see the van rocking don't come a knocking some sort of uh thinly veiled tacky sexist comment uh and then i think previously he had said something else about uh adjusting adjusting his trousers and genital area uh, because he was so uh, sexually excited uh, by these black females in his presence. Uh, she had just talked about how disturbing that was to have him making these sort of uh, remarks around her on a regular basis. And uh, I think she made reference to this when she did her uh, performance evaluation and saying that, you know, I have even under very difficult uh, and toxic work circumstances, uh, I have done my best to perform above and beyond the call of duty on my job. So she wrote in, she said today, I received a call from the advising council at my place of employment. She wanted to ask me some follow-up questions about the report I made. She asked me, did I tell the person harassing me that I did not like it and if I told anyone in management about the harassment? I told her, no, I did not. She told me that she had done an investigation and that the harasser was known to tell jokes in the workplace. I'm just going to pause there because I think uh, many listeners, when we had talked about this situation before, submitted that white people are not ignorant about racism and they are not ignorant about their fellow trifling and tacky white brethren uh, that they thought <clears throat> many of the white people in this job knew about this white male's antics and the type of things that he was saying, doing on the job that they, you know, this was not a secret. And it seems that that is true. Moving forward, she then asked me what was offensive about him adjusting his pants and making his comments. I told her I thought that he was suggesting that if someone took a picture, that it would look as if he was in the process of taking his pants off uh, in front of two women and that I was uncomfortable with him thinking that I would want to be in the presence of him taking his clothes off or putting them on. She told me that she talked to the other black female who was present and that she does not have an issue with what happened or him and that he is pleasant. I told her I don't care how she feels and that I am uncomfortable and felt sexually harassed. She said that he admitted doing and saying what he said, but that he didn't think I had any problems with him or what he was saying. She asked me, did I know anything about the other black female being called Velveeta and me being called Pepper Jack? Hmm. 
I told her that I have heard the other black female being called Velveeta, but did not know I had the name Pepper Jack and have never been called Pepper Jack. I told her that I would not allow anyone to call me Pepper Jack and that the only thing that I would want to be addressed as is my name. This made me think about when the other black female first started working here. There was another white male who told her that he didn't want to call her by her name and that he was going to call her Wanda from now on. Just before I get to the next portion, just this is so standard, so tacky. The name issue, I feel like this comes up about every other week in terms of racists, people who classify themselves as white, making up names, nicknames. Uh, for us on the job and why Dr. Francis Crest Welsing, uh, black self-respect every single time, call me by my name correctly, pronounced correctly, no nicknames, uh, no synonyms, no pseudonyms, just my name. Thank you. Every time. Continuing. She then asked me about another incident that happened not related to my report. I then asked her, what does one have to do with the other? She said she was only asking because it was brought up in her investigation. I told her that it was in my file and that she could read it to get the information. She asked me, what did I want to happen? I told her that I did not want to be harassed or bullied and that I want the company that I work for to enforce their policy. She told me that she would be following up again with me when she is finished with the investigation. I'm still learning and I want to do a follow up email to her just going over the conversation that we had so I can have something in writing. She only said that she understood how I felt, but never did say that he had violated the sexual harassment policy. I would like some advice and suggestions on what to write in the follow-up email. End of report. I'm sure folks will have commentary on that, as will I. Uh, I'll probably go back and review that as we uh, are proceeding through the program, and then if folks have suggestions or if you need a portion reread, we can do that as well. Uh, I think we had two other people who wrote in reports, and then we'll get the callers. Um... Let's see. All right. Next report. My name is Ori. I am from Dallas, Texas, and I am a Pan-Africanist. I need to pause here because we had, I think this listener, I just said he's in the Dallas area. Uh, he wanted to know if there are any cows listeners who are in the Dallas area. I know we have listeners uh, in the Texas area, but as that is a large state, uh, if folks are in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, if you are interested in... Uh, connecting, having direct contact with cows listeners that are in the Dallas area. If you drop me an email uh, and put Dallas contact uh, in the subject, uh, I can kind of forward emails. I think we had some people in the uh, Wisconsin area as well, uh, and also the Toronto area. If people are in those spots or wherever you happen to be, just put in the subject of the email Toronto contact, Dallas contact. Uh, Wisconsin contact and I can forward if you're interested in rendezvousing, uh, having direct contact with people in your immediate area. Continuing. I've been listening to the cows program now for maybe a year, but I'm always un only able to listen to the archives. I'm never really able to call in. I actually started to codify my actions, meaning as little interaction with white people as possible before I heard the program. So that's why I think this program 
is actually perfect for me. The, de the demographic around my office is roughly 90% white, maybe 10% black. Well, 10% non-white. So I wanted to know what is the proper response when people have noticed. Uh, wait a minute. I wanted to. I wanted to know what is the proper response when people start to notice the codification in my action at my workplace. I'm sure everyone has noticed that white people are very inquisitive. I constantly get questions on why has my attitude changed? I get questions like, what's wrong? Why don't you want to come hang out? I feel all this comes from the fact that they've noticed I don't participate in the same old office jokes. I stay secluded in my office and I don't participate in outside office activities unless it is mandatory that I am present. So if you or any of the callers would be privy to such information, it would be greatly appreciated. That has come up on the program many, many times. I have submitted if you are on a job like you've been there for a, a lengthy period of time and you start to get a better understanding of racism, white supremacy, counter racist codification, that is going to stick out. Racists are not ignorant about racism, white supremacy. One of their major fundamental activities worldwide is keeping an eye on their niggers. They are watching us changes in our behavior if we're not smiling as much if we're not talking as much everything they're constantly paying attention so this is one of the things that you really have to be mindful of if you start to get a better understanding of racism and you used to go out to all the office parties and all the jokes and tackiness that they would have in the office you used to participate in all of that and you start to not do that anymore oh man <laughs> it's gonna be are you depressed what's wrong you're not hanging out with us anymore is there a problem you don't seem like the barrage and we've had this from people before we've even had listeners uh where this ended up resulting in them losing their employment uh because whites just said that didn't seem like they were a good fit anymore. Something had changed. So I'd say it's it's really something to be uh, mindful of. Again, uh, as I state consistently, uh, becoming codified is not, in my view, about being aloof. You still want to be uh, able to speak to folks on the job, speak to the racists, uh, individuals classified as white. Morning, Helen. Afternoon, John. Evening, Jake. You speak to everybody and particularly Look to have conversation where you can get constructive information about your job, about the company, extra details that is uh, where you're getting information that is job related. You're looking for those opportunities, not necessarily just to be off and, and not talk to anyone for the eight hours uh, that you're there. Just not making sure that you're not participating in any sort of gossip and we're just doing random talking and gossip rumors and what have you uh, about other people on the job or the tacky racist jokes, that sort of thing. But it is going to stick out uh, if people were asking, you know, it seems like uh, there's been a change. I would just, hey, you know, just trying to get things done. I felt like I wasn't being as efficient before. Just felt like I was spending a lot of time doing things that weren't really related to the job. And I'm serious. I want to do well here. I'm just trying to really make sure that I'm focused and doing quality work. No one should have a problem with that. That's the type of, of uh, response that I would have. Uh, if there is, if there are other things going on, if your children, if you have children or what have you, just 
my children, you know, I've been, been having to invest a lot of time and energy uh, in my children and making sure that they're healthy and, and moving along well with their education. So that's taken a lot of my energy. I just don't have as so much free time uh, to do as much hanging out. If you don't have children, you can just say family or whatever in terms of why you, you know, can't hang out and do all the extra cur- uh, curricular uh, activities uh, that are associated with the job. Uh, the last one that I'll get to and then uh, folks can. We'll get everybody who dialed in on the phone. Uh, If anybody else writes anything, uh, I will share as we are moving along. Uh, So this person wrote, this is a black female. Uh, I've been working for security for over 10 years, and this is where I witnessed white supremacy. The security company uh, is mostly run by white ex-cops or just plain white people, and they rarely send the guards to sites near their home. I work an hour and 10 minutes away from my home. My company has sites 15 minutes away from my home. I have asked them a number of times for a transfer and get no answer. I've worked all over and it's always a travel, but when you're late, it's a problem. Number two, they play us against each other. Most of the time, your supervisor will be a black person and won't be trained to be a supervisor. So by no mistake of their own will, they will not be professional. The boss will know this and still have you deal with the supervisor, which makes for a miserable workplace. I went to my boss over how the supervisor was unprofessional and I got removed. I was the bad guy for saying anything. I've noticed when a supervisor is professional and nice, that person gets removed right away. But the person is uh, <laughs> expletive. Uh, the, the person is not constructive, abrasive, rude. Uh, the white supremacists love it. Number three, making up the rules as they go. What's okay today might not be okay tomorrow, and it depends on who's doing it. They play favorites, and that causes division at the job. That's why it's very important to read the handbook over and over. I think someone just said that. Plus, write down everything that happens at the job, dates and times. I also don't play around at the job. People get too buddy-buddy at work and play around. Plus, pranks on each other, big no-no. Do your time and go. Amen. Uh, And just uh, with the training issue, because I thought that was really important, because it seems like a lot of uh, folks have noted that it seems like black people, particularly black supervisors, are put in positions to fail, that this is being done deliberately. Mr. Edward Williams, counter hyphen racism dot com. He's been on the program before. He uh, has written a book about how to support and defend the United States Constitution uh, on the job, dealing with workplace racism and using the Constitution uh, to help you counter racism. Uh, He says that is one of the main strategies uh, with black people on the job where we are inadequately trained. Thomas in New York has brought this up for months now, or at least a month now since he's been on a new job uh, where this uh, race soldier, white woman, has been poorly training him and deliberately omitting information and just making it so that he is not able to efficiently, effectively learn his new job. This is done all the time. And I think this is something that should be kept uh, in mind uh, because a lot of times uh, I've heard black people on this program and elsewhere, we get angry and frustrated with black supervisors. Uh, just keeping in mind that all of this is being orchestrated by a racist man 
racist woman uh, on the job and to keep us in conflict with each other uh, and not paying attention to and keeping uh, just not being mindful of the fact that, hey, that black supervisor is not the person that is most in charge. Uh, They can be fired, terminated just as easily as I can. They can remove that person, put me in that job, however they want to uh, orchestrate things, just making sure that we are mindful of who is most to blame, who has the most power in these positions. Uh, And if it is a black supervisor, particularly if they are there, they're not doing a good job, they've been poorly trained or they're not qualified, that's probably the way racists wanted things to be. With that, uh, we will hit the phone lines. Uh, I'm particularly interested in making sure folks have some uh, suggestions, uh, feedback for the caller who's dealing with this sexual harassment issue uh, in Wisconsin. Uh, she wants to call in to update. That would be great, too. Uh, but, every well, uh, I'm going to stagger because we do have, uh, looks like, a, a number of folks. So the first half of people that dialed in, your line's open, and then... I'll get the other half as we roll. But if you dial in with a hand up, I will definitely get you. Uh, just be patient. I'm not ignoring anybody. I'm just going down the row uh, as people dialed in. So the first half of people that dialed in, line should be open. Uh, feel free to participate. May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Good evening, Gus. Good evening to the callers and listeners. Um, I just want to share uh, a workplace uh, racism uh, observation that I had that kind of played out on the world stage and just has directly to do with what's in the news. Um, It's regarding the, I don't know if you spoke about it this past Saturday, Um, I haven't had a chance to listen to the archives, but it has to do with the former Miss Alabama who was fired for calling the Dallas sniper a martyr and uh, expressing her uh, support for what he did. And also um, the observation that I had was with Miss Nakia Jones, the black female police officer in Warrensville Heights, Ohio, who posted the viral video in response to Mr. Castile's execution at the hands of the white race soldier and how she was suspended from the police force for her powerful words in opposition to the execution calling out her colleagues to put on white sheets and hoods and turn in their guns and badges. To me, that was like two very, very, very classic examples of um, workplace racism um, because you had um, examples of what white people will do to black people who don't go along with the system um, in the workplace, particularly when they um, openly and blatantly verbalize any opposition. Um, in addition, I uh, also observed that uh, whites readily hire black women more than they hire black men, but these black women um, and black people in general are expected to not acknowledge any injustice black male victims of racism and white supremacy experience on and off the plantation. So the message is that black men who... Um, you know, black women on the job, these black men are our sons, our fathers, our brothers, our uncles, our friends, and our co-workers, but the horrors that they are subject to must be invisible and had better not be acknowledged on the plantation. So the sentiments against the system of racism, white supremacy, from what I observed from these two black females who lost their jobs, 
is directly connected to payroll. So I think that we all know that. So that's all I wanted to share. Thanks for listening. I'll mute my line. For sure. I think that was uh, Nakia Jones, the uh, black female in Ohio uh, enforcement, uh, former uh, informant enforcement officer uh who i think that would be thomas uh in new york who had said he hadn't seen black people enforcement officers speaking up about racism that might be a reason why you don't see more of that even though i have seen a good amount of that even over the past couple years black enforcement officers talking about the racism they experience on the job uh but uh yeah there her video uh where she was talking about the uh race soldiers uh killing black people uh enforcement officers and what they've been doing uh, and her being terminated. Uh, and that's one of those that I definitely was going to inquire about all of everything that's been happening over the past week. If that has been coming up on the job, if that's been causing problems or people are hearing statements like I read the one from the listener where she was talking about the uh, Alton Sterling case uh, on the job where the white person was saying, you know, just that black people are just acting crazy and doing your thing. You just let these police officers do their job. Uh, if that's coming up to make sure that we're being codified, my suggestion, just based on uh, what happened with Miss uh, Nakia Jones, uh, I would been that social media thing. It's been quite a few black people. I think there was another black enforcement officer, although he was saying something. Uh, it seemed like he might have been criticizing uh, Black Lives Matter, but he got fired, too, uh, for making comments about them. I would not if you are on any of these jobs, I would not be making a whole lot of comments on social media. Number one, I would not have an account under my name i've said this before in particular with how tense everything is right now i would not want a social me any social media account where it's attached to my, le my legal name that i use on the job or even if it's a nickname where it's something where i have like friends quote unquote facebook friends or anything else uh, or people that follow me on twitter or something and i work with these people like they know this is my account i would strongly discourage that uh, because if they see anything they even have had different news reports over the last year or so uh, where black people they didn't say anything incendiary they weren't saying anything like you know kill these crackers and nothing like that they just had a post and maybe they used the hashtag black lives matter and that was enough to spark them being investigated and whites on the job conspiring and oh we got some radical I think this person is you know 21st century Mau Mau we got to keep it I would not participate in any of that. I would not want to follow any people on your job. As I said before, whites, they're not ignorant. They are constantly keeping an eye on their niggers. You're being watched. Any excuse will be reason enough to have you terminated, fired, or just bringing unwanted attention to you as a black person, victim of racism. Like I said, I definitely appreciate what uh, Miss Nakia Jones, what she had to say, but we do not want to make any extra problems for ourselves on the job. And that's exactly what whites are going to be looking to do, especially how things are right now. Uh, if, and if I'm talking crazy, anything, anything I've said, feel free. Set me straight. If I'm being inaccurate, make sure folks set me straight as we uh, as we roll. I uh, appreciate that. Our female caller in New York, if if you had more or if other folks uh, wanted to comment on that or you have your own uh, information that you'd like to share, feel free. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Our greetings to you guys and to all the callers and the listeners. Uh, this is Raj. Um, just you speaking about the incidents a week ago. Um, yesterday, I was approached by a very intelligent young black male that I work with, and he actually petitioned the owner of the company I work for in regards to the fact that there were very few uh, black people in upper-level management positions 
And from what I understand, he was very assertive in his approach and actually uh, basically triggered a whole thing in the company now where they're looking to hire more black people specifically and other uh, non-white people, even though there's quite a few uh, non-white people from quite a few areas around the world, from the Far East to the Middle East. Um, and some of them, they've actually flown into the country and gotten them work visas and things like that. But his discussion with um, one of the three owners facilitated this whole uh, organizational uh, department that's going to be focusing on more of that. And then most recently, uh, yesterday, I was approached with the same young man, went to the owner again after the, um, the murders of these two uh, black males about um, creating a Black Lives Matter at my job. And... Um, well, him and I have talked before quite a bit. He's um, fairly aware, um, quite, quite, quite aware, I would say. Um, and somehow he he has a way of uh, speaking in which he can actually. And I've just seen him just he's just an eloquent speaker, and he's able to get them to somehow um, understand his point of view, and he facilitates quite a bit. So I'm going to watch this before I attempt to get involved because <laughs> I'm not trying to stand out. Um, I think um, just me, myself, I'm very um, African-centered in my approach to life as it is, and I'm very codified on the job, so I don't want to put myself in any position where I might stand out more than I want to. So I'll just watch how this develops, but he really wants me to get involved because he understands what I'm really about. And um, he's, he does a lot of productive things, so we'll see about it. But ultimately, I'm not making any choices to leap into anything because I'm not trying to be the first one out the door. Um, the other thing that you were talking about with the online and the social media, you are absolutely correct. Uh, last week I talked about that. Um, you know, I would say, again, the best codified thing to do is to create like a random Gmail or Yahoo account with um, some sort of name that has nothing to do with you or any of your family members. Um, and then from there, um, you use that account to create your Facebook or whatever it is. And that way, all correspondence via Facebook will go to this, this uh, page with the pseudonym. It's not connected to your, to your birth name or any one of your relatives or anything. So when, even if you go to a job and they say, well, can I have your social media information? I don't have one. And they can't plug your name in and pull it up based on that information. So that's one of the best ways of kind of distancing yourself from your own activity um, so that it doesn't become a detriment to you in any way, especially if you're dealing with counter-racist work. That's going to really put you in a bad position. So I would say that's probably the best codified way to do it. Me personally, I'm not, I don't use any of those things whatsoever. Um, another thing is uh, that clip you played with Nelly Fuller was incredible. It was brilliant. Um, I hope this. You, it'll be a, a part of the archive. It's something I want to listen to again. I didn't come in from the very beginning, but what I heard was just powerful. It reminded me um, a while ago I discussed the situation that I went through a few years ago at a job where I wasn't trained by three different people. And after quite a while on the job, um, they actually attempted to fire me, and I had a, a, a folder that was thick with all kinds of emails and information where I was requesting to get the training that I needed, and none of the three white females, white supremacists, white terrorist females, I want to specify that, they all worked as a unit to basically ruin my ability to, to adequately perform my job, and I successfully defended myself. Um, they weren't able to fire me based on the evidence I had, but after a number of months afterwards, they basically downsized me out, and I left with a severance package and stuff like that, so they didn't get what they wanted, but ultimately, I wish I had that codified understanding of the Constitution and being able to use that as a foundational base, because I did exceptionally well 
in that meeting, I was very much like a lawyer, and everything they said I was able to refute with their own handwriting. That's really the importance of keeping notes. And also, if you have an issue with the manager, definitely corresponding by email for the sister who was um, discussing um, how she should move forward with that situation. I think it's really good for her to, to correspond by email. She said she alluded to doing that and um, just giving a summary of what was discussed with as much detail as to what was actually said between the two parties as possible. Um, also, make note in your own, once, once you send it to her, you'll get a copy, of course, so you'll have it in your sent file. Make note of the fact that in that meeting, you don't have to put that information in the email you sent to her, but what you do is you make a note of the fact that she did not apply the sexual harassment policy of the company to your situation the way it should have been properly applied based on what was done to you. And based on your response to it, the fact that you were not happy with what was done, you felt uncomfortable and you felt violated and abused. And I think um, also um, the information, being able to utilize the Constitution and, and the concept of subversion or, or some other concept, if um, um, Mr. Edward Williams has another concept you can use to fortify your position using the Constitution and move forward with this, I think you can make some serious headway as far as um, trying to improve the way that you're being treated in, in that um, in that company. Again, I'm very sorry you have to deal with these psychotic terrorists on a daily basis. Um, the other thing is today I actually had jury duty, and I haven't been called for jury duty in a number of years. And every time I was previously called for jury duty, I was always called as a petty juror, which would be a juror that sits in on a criminal trial and basically hears the prosecution and the defense side and then makes a decision on the innocence or guilt of the party who you hear. And in this instance, I was being called for a grand jury, which I had never dealt with before. I've heard of it, but I've never really looked into the concept of what it was and how it worked. So when I went, they gave us this long spiel, excuse me, this long spiel about the importance of the job and why it's done. And I learned quite a bit, and I just wanted to share it um, because in workplace racism because I, let, I had to take off from work to go, but I, I eventually got uh, released, and I wanted to speak to that as well and the racism in that. But um, anyway... When he explained it, essentially what the grand jurors do is it's basically a cluster of 23 people that they have meet, and my group was supposed to meet on Tuesday. So it will be basically every Tuesday for 17 weeks, we would go through a slew of cases where we would hear essentially what was being presented by the prosecution and make a decision whether to indict. And once the person is indicted, and indicting just means that you perceive that there was a crime committed and that the person who is being blamed for it is uh, proven somehow to be the responsible party and you make a decision to indict, which means to say, yes, a crime was committed, there was an injury done to someone, and we're going to move forward with you know, prosecuting them to the fullest extent of the law. And I thought about it, and I said, hmm, it's interesting that these are the same, and also the major thing I learned is that a petty jury is a, is is uh, basically public. So when you go when you go to a criminal court, any any citizen can walk into a criminal court and sit in on any trial that they wish. That's the way the law works. Whereas with a grand jury trial, it's all private. And this is where I, the, the lesson came in for me was that he said the reason it's private is because you're making decisions on whether or not to move forward with a criminal trial on a person who has been accused of a crime. And I thought about the instances where black people have been killed and these juries, these grand juries are the ones that make the decision that that cop was innocent. It was a justifiable homicide as the term that they use and we're not going to move forward. 
and they keep it private, he said, in order to protect the family so that if you make a decision they don't agree with, it's not on public display that basically you're hurting those people or you're, you're, you know, you're, you're assaulting them spiritually, essentially, by saying that, let's say, the life of their relative wasn't worth going to court behind, and we're not going to allow it. And I thought about what we've talked about on this program as far as the importance of participating in the jury process. And um, I was actually released simply because my company only pays for up to five days of jury duty. After the five days, basically, you get paid from the court. And from what I understand, I believe it's like $15 a day. So I was like, mm, can't do that. And that's why he actually ended up releasing me. And I thought about it. If jury duty is supposed to be so important, which is what they say it is, because it's your civic duty and you're supposed to represent your community and basically facilitate um, adjudicating situations that are happening within your community, so you're having a direct effect on things that things you might see in the local news. If they're so important, why aren't companies obligated via the government to make sure that they pay their employees so that they can participate? Because the vast majority of black people who work are not able to, most jobs that they work don't pay them at all for jury duty or like my situation, they might only pay for a couple of days, and then after that, you're basically on your own. So this actually disqualifies a slew of black people simply because of the types of jobs that we are allowed to aspire to in a lot of these companies. Just like I said, in my company, there were very few. I believe he had told me there were only two or three people in upper management positions. Everyone else was pretty much way lower down in the totem pole. And um, it's something that I'd noticed before and we had discussed, but he ended up taking it to the, one of the owners of the company. So I just thought about that, and I just wanted to throw that out there just because that experience was very profound for me, and I got to learn the other side of how you can be a, a juror and affect the life of another black person. God forbid you might come into contact with a case like Alton Sterling or, or um, Philandro Castile. Um, may they both rest in peace. And um. You know, these are the things that we can help them to, to facilitate. So if anyone does get called for a grand jury, I didn't even know what it was, and I learned today, and it was just um, something I wanted to share with everyone. Thanks for taking my call. Hmm. Outstanding. I'm glad we got that in as well. That uh, that would be another component to keep in mind with folks, because I do hear people sometimes, even on this program, where they will get the finger wagging and uh, fault finding with black people about jury participation, where that is probably one of the ways that we are excluded, where it is not us. We are not to blame. It is part of the white supremacist design to keep us out of juries uh, that just case they had just went to the Supreme court. Uh, before I get to uh, anybody else, if they wanted to participate as well, I just wanted to get in one uh, quick correction. Uh, Officer Nakia Jones, she was not fired. She did not face any disciplinary action at all. Uh, this was reported uh, local Ohio affiliate uh, where where apparently there was a lot of confusion about this, where people were saying that uh, she was fired or terminated or whatever the case, uh, that none of that was true. Uh, she cleared this up. Uh, and again, they did have a report uh, on one of the local uh, Ohio affiliates uh, that she did not violate any policies uh, or procedures from her uh, job as an enforcement official in the state of Ohio. She is still on the job, no restrictions of duty or anything like that. Uh, and she is uh, still rolling. So just make sure we're not giving out inaccurate information. Even with that, even though I'm glad that she didn't face any disciplinary action, I still would not encourage uh, any black people 
uh, to be on any social media accounts that are affiliated with your legal name making any sort of commentary or what have you because I've just seen where I have seen where quite a few black people have been fired or it ended up causing them some problems on their job so I'd be really cautious about how you go about doing that sort of thing uh, folks have other commentary that they want and documentation I think I really uh, thought Ross was great and the portion with Mr. Fuller it will be uh, and the uh, at the beginning in the archives uh, other folks that we haven't heard from, did you all have comments you wanted to share on what you've heard thus far or your own situations you wanted to discuss? Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Good evening, Gus. Thomas from New York. Um, yeah, you know, I just saw, um, I was walking down the street and I was passing um, a 7-Eleven and it was a um, bunch of cops came out of the 7-Eleven. And I could tell that they had, you know, little drinks with them and stuff. And it was it was probably about 10 of them. And they were all getting this um, cop ran. And um, one black female and then nine white cops. And the way that, you know, they was kind of waiting for the guy to open the door. And the way that they, 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 the people that was behind her stood back, and you could tell they were talking about her. It's just like, man, terrible, terrible. Um... Also, for social media, right, my brother, I have a, have a half-brother, and uh, his wife um, is a school teacher. She was a substitute teacher, and she finally got, uh, you know, landed a school, permanent school. And this was like two years ago, the first day of school. Um, she, she put on Facebook, you know, about how tough her day was and how in particular one student did this, that, and the other. And that student went to her Facebook that night. And um, she lost that job the next day uh, because she put something on social media about what happened in that classroom. So, you know, especially, you know, I, I don't have any social media accounts, but I would say please be cautious with those because um, especially depending on the jobs you have as well, um, be very cautious. Uh, as for my workplace situation, uh, last week, as I told you, I covered the receptionist who uh, went on vacation. So this week it's the guy who um, trained me properly, um, you know, um, not the receptionist who didn't. And I've noticed a change now. Um, prior to this week, I was um, covering the receptionist break, and that was part of my training, and that's part of my regular duties while I'm at this position. And um, 12 o'clock is normally her 15-minute break. And, you know, when the guy's there, uh, he kind of, you know, if we're doing something, you know, he's like, hey, let's finish doing this, and then you go cover her or whatever. But I noticed since he's been on, now he was there Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday was his first day um, that he um, um, he he was on vacation, which was yesterday, and I had to leave early because I had to handle some um, personal situation that hopefully get me another job. So um, I uh, so I had to leave at twelve thirty, and at twelve o'clock, she I get my a call on the phone that they allocated at the desk they allocated for me. So I pick it up, and she's like, "Hey, it's twelve o'clock. I need you to. Where are you? You're supposed to be covering my break." Now she hasn't done this before. She doesn't do this when the guys did, but now that it's just me, I'm noticing that. So then to, I told her, "Listen, I'm leaving at twelve thirty. They have someone that's going to be covering for me from another office that's going to be doing that. You need to reach out to her. Well, you go find her and tell her that it's time for me to, like, why is that my job? You know, like, you know, you, you want your break. 
So, you know, I didn't do it. I went about what I had to do and um, left. So today, um, same thing. At 12 o'clock, on the dot, ding, there's the phone. So I, I just let it ring because I was just – now, this is another thing. The lady who um, did the hiring, uh, the lady who, you know, uh, the, the, the office manager, she um, comes in yes, uh, yesterday, Wednesday, with all of these um, duties she wants me to do now that this guy isn't there. Now, this guy isn't a very tidy person. Uh, the room is a little cluttered. And uh, all the stations where their supplies and things are supposed to be is not very organized. But that's how he runs his, you know, his situation. I mean, I, I went when I first started and I offered to go. He said, no, you know, don't, you know, listen, they just got to mess it up again. So just leave it like that. That's how they, that's how they work. So now that he's gone, she wants me to go and clean up all his, um, all the stuff that he, he doesn't do when he's there. It's like, you know, are they afraid of this guy or something? I mean, it's like oh, all of a sudden now it's, um, you know, so I just noticed that this is a trend because every job I go to, I have to, um, I get this, this thing where someone has been there and I have to go in, um, as soon as that person's out a day or, going to be gone for a while, the office manager will come and tell me to clean up their office for them, you know, and it's always causing a problem between me and the person because now it's like, you know, you waited till I left and now I can't find nothing, you know, it's, I hate having to do it, but I had to do it because that's what she told me to do. And um, so I'm while I'm cleaning the office today at 12 o'clock, um, this, um, this lady comes and, um, She's calling me, and I'm like, you know, I'm just trying to ignore it so I can finish doing what I have to do. It's going to take about 10 more minutes. And um, um, that was, you know, but she calls the other phone. So um, that was pretty much my, my workplace because I've seen uh, Was it? Were you finished, or it sounded like there was a beep? And yeah, I, I hit the I hit a button on the phone, and it put me in another conference. So I had to come back. I'm sorry about that, oh. but um, yeah, that was pretty much it, Gus. Oh, okay, right on. That I feel like we just heard that uh, about racists setting victims of racism up on the job for conflict uh, in a variety of ways. Uh, we'll wait till this one leaves, and then get you to go and you know, fondle all of their stuff. Uh, so then when they come back, they'll be upset and they can get upset with you, even though you are doing what we told you to do, uh, that standard operating procedure. It seems, um, uh, let's see if we, anybody that has not shared, if you had commentary that you wanted to share on anything that you've heard thus far, or if you have your own situation, you would like to comment on, feel free. Line should be open. Yes, sir. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Greetings, everyone. Uh, first thing comes to my mind, I'd just like to uh, give uh, uh, some credit of self-respect to uh, the, uh, I believe, four or five black male uh, professional uh, uh, athletes who said that they are going to uh, get serious about uh, counter-racist activities 
and to put a lot of their resources towards uh, correcting the problem of racism, white supremacy. Uh, it is, in a large sense, a historical, unprecedented uh, uh, commitment. Uh, at least I've never heard it before uh, by uh, four or five uh, individuals of their uh, financial magnitude and also the uh, the uh, global attention that each one of those uh, young fellows get. Uh, it's going to be interesting on what they are going to do. Uh, and hopefully it's, it's, some, it's, it's, it's serious as what they imply that they're going to be doing. Uh, as uh, a non-white black person, I, I would just assume that it would be uh, as uh, much as they can possibly do. Uh, what's going to be interesting, and this is why this relates to workplace racism, is the reaction from the people who pay them, such as their team or the NBA itself and their uh sponsors commercials that they because i think I, I know at least two or three of them have commercials probably all of them have commercials so it, it'd be interesting uh something you know you know it, i mean it's it's great thing great thing to see uh because prior to that it was only a, a individual here or individual there that was uh even attempting to make a symbolic attempt uh, other than uh, the two people who were the most uh, popular at it was Muhammad Ali and Jim Brown, of course. Uh, but uh, there are more and more, and this is like precedent for uh, the four, four or five of that magnitude to come come out in front of a uh, a large audience and make those uh, 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 that particular statements that they were making. Uh, Facebook was probably in its primitive stages <laughs> as I was retiring. Uh, but one, one uh, infamous Facebook uh, uh, situation that I am aware of with Miami-Dade County Fire Department, uh, there was a uh, white gentleman who uh, was using... Uh, 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 a site to hire prostitution. There, there's some sort of global connected prostitution ring, and that's what he was using. And guess where he's at now? From my understanding, he's the director of Dade County Fire Department. Uh, so uh, we all know uh, that this is a white person. Uh, so that's the contrast, you know, if, if, if a non-white black person came in, 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 uh, anywhere close to doing something like that, uh, he would have never gotten past the, the next day after, uh, being found out by, by his, uh, his, uh, employers, uh, black females still having the, uh, harassment problems. Uh, I think I've mentioned before <laughs> Man, uh, you have to write 
from the start when you are approached in a way that you uh, understand is discourteous and or disrespectful or beyond the parameters of professionalism, you have to approach that person immediately, immediately. I mean, I, I, that's the only thing that I can come up with in my, in my head. And, and, and I mean, even if it, it, preferably if you can, if you can face that person alone. Now I've had, you know, I've had some, something similar and I did it in a very, what I would say a very unorthodox way to whereas it, it would, it can be construed as threatening that other person. And I'm talking about with their life. And, but what, but, but, but then again, from a male perspective, I can see where that would be different, but there are some pretty tough black ladies that I know about that, that, uh, would, would, would go that would go there also. Uh, but it, it basically the situation in my opinion that I really can't call it for the other person other than I would say on a, on a, uh, universal basis that whatever that issue is like that, you have to address it immediately. Do not delay, do not delay it. Uh, you, uh, uh whatever, whatever, uh, means to, to gather yourself, uh, to, to, to kind of like lose your, your, your fear factor to where if you don't act, you know, try to get a hold of yourself in, in, in that way and to be able to address that. Uh, as I mentioned, as soon as, I mean, as it's coming out that person's mouth or they, or, or if their voices are raised, and I'm not necessarily saying that you have to be loud like that, like, like the, like the uh, perpetrator, the white perpetrator, or even a non-white one, you know, because sometimes that happens, as, as we've been talking about on, 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 the, uh, on the program with a non-white black person. But however your tone of voice is, it is one that would depict to the, to the, the person that you want to hear you that, hey, this person is serious. This person is serious on what they are saying to me, and I've seen people. I've seen. I, I, I've done it, and I've seen other people react uh, to that, and I've witnessed it. I've, I've mentioned on the program about maybe a month ago about a a black female teacher who was approached by a white male in the incorrect manner, and she she. I mean, he couldn't get out. He got out maybe about about one or two sentences before she did just what I was suggesting. And as I mentioned before, the young people, black, primarily black male uh, high school football players, were clapping. Literally, I'm not. I'm not talking about clapping out of you know from a childish standpoint. They were clapping because they witnessed somebody do something that they deem as being correct. Uh, but anyway, uh, last but not least, uh, white people 
name calling and the name calling I'm specifically talking about is how they like to go about the means of shortening our names. Uh, Gabrielle becomes Gabby. Once again, you have to nip that. You have to, you have to approach that immediately on what you would like to be called. Now, Mr. Fuller has a, a, a counter racist code behind it. You know, he, he says you let, you let the person know, and if they insist upon doing it, they insist upon doing it, you don't refer to that anymore, you know, that sort of thing, uh, as far as repeating oneself. But my policy, because I actually, I actually legally, quote-unquote, legally changed my last name. Uh, as most of y'all would know that, you know, most of our last names come from, come from, uh, white slave masters. And I just thought it upon myself to, uh, get rid of it. <laughs> so, but on the, on the job that I was on, part of the uniform was a name tag. It was just essential. It was almost as essential as your badge that you have a name tag and if someone called me something other other than that that name that I chose for myself, uh, I wouldn't answer. I wouldn't answer them, and I was not legally obligated to have to do so. So basically, they were kind of like forced <laughs> forced to uh, to uh, say something that uh, that uh, uh, I uh, would recognize. And that kind of like, uh, uh, kind of like uh, solved that problem. And it, it didn't. It, I mean, it, didn't, it took a very short period of time uh, that that took place. Mind you, that they were used to a name for about let me see, 1981 to 1990. So you're talking about nine years. They were used to a particular name, but they, the onus was on other people that they had to quickly make that adjustment. And, and I was very consistent upon just not answering anybody who called me something other than that. And if somebody would act, would have asked me, well, why you didn't respond? I said, they didn't call me by my name. So <laughs> that's basically how I dealt with that. But that's, that's all I have. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. I've heard Mr. Fuller, uh, Address that as well and saying uh, when he had that on uh, his job where people would call him same thing years decades they've been doing this people would call him uh, we're not going to call you uh, Mr. Fuller we're going to call you you know Toby or Kunta or whatever name we make up for the day uh, he said uh, he would just tell them flat out you know I prefer that you all not call me all these little nicknames and everything my name is Neely Fuller I prefer that you call me that calling me these other things you know depending on who it is and, and what the job requires I might answer, I might not, but making it very clear, this is what my name is, and, you know, do not call me all this other stuff that you all have uh, made up. I think that's the best way to deal with all of that, to just address that clearly. And every time, as Dr. Welsing says, in terms of black self-respect, uh, that, you know, you did, and correct pronunciation included, not just, you know, making sure you call me what my name is, what I want to be called, but pronounced correctly every single time oh yeah i would I, one was i would ha, i would if it was something on paper and my first name is michael and if 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 
it was E A L instead of A E L. I would hand the paper back to him <laughs> and awesome. tell him that's incorrect. That's incorrect. You know, that's incorrect, and therefore change it. <laughs> and see, you 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 put you would put your enemy in a position to whereas okay, they still can they, they still can overpower me, but they would have to have some sort of uh, uh, reasoning behind it because that means they would have to do that to others. I think I heard Mr. Fuller said that. I, that those those CD those uh, the the, the uh, recording that you said at the beginning. I've actually purchased those in a CD form. You know, maybe about oh, about fifteen twenty years ago. And as I heard I heard someone say they they are pretty dynamic because it, it's so it's so. So it's it's so doable. It's something that any one of us can apply, comply into our our, our uh, uh, counter racist portfolio and use it. You don't have to have a club. You don't have to have meetings. You you it can be in your arsenal for you to use. That's what's so very good about it. And uh, thank you. For sure. For sure. Uh, we Chica, had, can I ask a final question? For sure. I just wanted to know if you can um, name the um, the basketball players because I didn't um, see that that um, information at all. So I just like to know. Thank you. Well, let me. Let, I'll try. I'll just give the names that I think I remember: uh, Carmelo Anthony, uh, LeBron James, uh, his friend. Uh, uh, he and, and I'm from Miami, and I and I still can't remember his name. He's from Chicago. Dwayne yeah, Wade. yeah, Dwayne Wade. Uh, I can't think of the other guy's name. Chris Paul. It was Chris Paul. Okay, yeah, yeah. And you know, I mean, to me, to me, as far as and I, and I and I study, I'm involved. I've been involved with sports, you know, for organized sports for a very long time, and I have never seen that out of black professional athletes on that type of stage. I mean, you know, based with the technology. And everything you have today, where a million people could be watching some some you know program. You know, although I even didn't watch the program, but never left millions of people watching the program. And you come out there with all of the so-called money that these guys make, and you make that type of serious type of statement. Uh, that that to me is is a is a is an example of self-respect. And, and that that's something that a lot of people have been suggesting and talking about, you know, and, and what it can possibly do, it can possibly get, encourage other people. I wouldn't necessarily say that you do it right in the middle of your job, but, you know, to be able to, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do something similar on my level and get involved you know, get involved, you know, uh, because there's always some young people around that you can, uh, that you can have a constructive relationship with, you know, or, or, or whatever, whatever your imagination can, can, can put you to within the realm of codified counter racist activity. You know, that, 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 that's, that, that, that was very inspiring, uh, in, in, in my opinion on what they, what they are attempting to do. And hopefully it, it, it's a, it's a, uh, uh, a serious course that they stay on with it and, you know, more power to them, as, as, as I said. Maybe I shouldn't say more power to them. But anyway, uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, can I make a comment, please? Yes, sir. 
great. Uh, first thing I want to say is uh, I don't know. Uh, I know that. Well, I hope that the um, firefighter in Florida is name isn't the firefighter from Florida. But you know, have a name like Thomas Smith. Um, I always get the, the Tom, the Tommy boy. You know, it's, it's always you know that, and I always have to constantly correct people. And um, yeah, that's definitely um a perk to that. As for the um the basketball players, um, I think that it's very good. I think also another name that was left out was I think Steph Curry was also on the stage. Um, I, I know he got an award, but I think he was also standing with them when they made those comments. Um, the, I think that what they're going to get is a, a dose of reality. Um, I'm sure that they all of those players have white friends and um, you know white partners, probably business partners, white lawyers, accountants. Um, and they're gonna see how fast um, they don't get help from those white friends that they probably are banking on being in their corner behind this, probably the CEO of Nike or Adidas or or whatever. And they're not gonna put their brand out there like that, guarantee it. And um, I think that. Um, what what they're gonna learn is that they don't own nothing, and um, the people that own things that they think are their friends aren't really their friends. And um, hopefully, that'll be a dose of reality for them. Uh, also, I wanted to make a comment on what Ross said. If uh, I would definitely not join any um, counter racist group at work, and um, especially you know just looking on television a Black Lives Matter group because they have a lot of white people marching with them. And I, I, I don't see how that would um, be solving any problems marching at all, but especially marching with white people, that just serves to offer more confusion. I have never seen a Black Lives Matter march without white people marching with them. And I meet my mom. I did see that video segment. This was from the ESPYs, which is an ESPN like annual awards ceremony uh, that they do, where uh, the basketball players took this stance and were talking about uh, racism. Um, I didn't watch the whole ceremony, but because this was the beginning of the show, where they came out and made this made their statement, said what they said. Steph Curry was not uh, on stage with them. Uh, the video that I saw and posted online, now he might have said something. He did get an award, so he might have said something, but he was not on stage with them in the video that I saw. I apologize. Oh. Not a problem. Oh, I, um, I was going to ask can I speak to what uh, Thomas was just saying. Uh, if you can hang one second, there was we had a okay. caller that wrote something in, and then I wanted to make sure we got some of the other people in as well. Uh, just sure. hold tight, and I'll make sure we, we include your commentary as well, Roz. Um, the uh, caller in Michigan, she said she's in a loud area, so she just wanted to write in her comment. She said uh, the firm is having a company outing at a Detroit Tigers game. They are covering our game ticket, parking, and food, beverage, slash beer. A few of my coworkers were complaining because they wanted to know why the company wasn't providing transportation so they could drink. Mm. A few days later, we received another email stating the firm would be providing transportation from the office to Comerica Park and then back to the office. One of my coworkers who has been with the firm a few years said anytime they provide transportation to the firm's events, most people get sloppy drunk. I don't understand the point of providing transportation back to the office when those who decide to drink will have to drive home under the influence and most don't live close to the office. 
since most of them are attorneys, I found it interesting how drinking and driving was of no concern to those who were complaining about the company providing transportation so they could drink. The other incident a friend shared with me from her office yesterday was about an attorney who is currently doing through a divorce. He drinks heavily and they smell liquor on his breath after lunch. He is a racist suspect and acts as if he hates the clients who are majority classified as black and Arab. He shared that he is going through a lot. His wife put him out and he is basically sleeping at the office on the couch in one of the other attorney's office. And when he was venting to one of the other co-workers sharing his problems, he ended his commentary saying, Ugh, I've got so much on my plate. I really need a slave. It's interesting how they allow him to stay at the office, accommodate him during his troubles, and he's not refined with his practice of racism. I would just make sure to log all of that in case anything pops up when Mr. Fuller, when he's talked about before, like um, you just want to make note of things. And then maybe five years down the line, if something comes up, you know, uh, hey, uh, Jonathan, Miss Jackson, you can't be working in the office. Uh, you can't be staying here uh, an extra three hours after everyone has left. We can't have you on the premises because we have had people who called in with that problem where they had to go back to the job to take care of something after hours. And they ended up getting fussed at it. Oh, wait a minute. On uh, July 16th, 2016, uh, you had such and such was allowed to stay in the building uh, and we verified and that was not a problem. And I mean, overnight in the building, 24 hours sleeping on a couch. Why is it that he is allowed to stay in the building and I can't be here for an extra two hours to get work done, not to actually sleep on the premises. That's what he's talking about in terms of due process. Everyone is supposed to be treated equally uh, using 15, oh, excuse me, using the 14th and fifth amendment from the constitution but just make observation file that away and keep moving forward and white people and alcohol always a bad combination uh anybody that we have not heard from anyone who dialed in with a hand up that we have not heard from uh if you had a uh, commentary you wanted to share you should be with us may i be heard yes sir uh hi to everybody at the table um yeah this is a kind of doozy um, actually, um, I'm probably one of the people that, uh, part that listen and hang out and don't react or don't, you know, signal their hand up because I feel like, you know, yeah, we all go through racism every day. I know I do, but it's one of those things. If you're codified, you can handle, but you do want to hear what everybody else goes through and what, how they handled it. And, um, you know, I do understand that you don't want any lollygaggers. You want somebody that's, you want people to participate. Well, um, <laughs> it's funny because, um, by the way, um, Gus, I, I just sent you a, uh, email over, um, some guy from Huffington Post wrote about one of the cops that had, had passed who had died, who got murdered and how he was a white supremacist. I don't know if you got that email or not. I sent it right as the show started. I tried to send it to you, but it wouldn't let me do it from the Huffington Post. Um, I'm currently in the middle of the U.S., um, Illinois. I work for a company that basically tear countries down and rebuild them with their equipment. So they're very profitable. They've been around for 
over 100 years, you've you got to do the math on that or figure out who I work for. I've been there about 10 years, and I have three or four different big instances to happen with me, but um, nothing to where I didn't handle myself, never having walked out or written up. And I pride myself on that because, I mean, there's a lot of white people I work with that pride themselves on getting walked out. Yeah, I got walked out for this, I walked out for that. Which, you know, I don't understand, but that's that people can do that. You know, that's what I tell all other black people. They, they can do that. So don't you think you can do that? Well, I don't care. I'm gonna still do it. Or you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna pay the price. Um, to um, about just to reference on uh, the Eskies, I like to see Dirk Nowitzki. He's married to a black woman. Why ain't he standing up there? But yeah, I digress. Um, <laughs> yeah, and by the way, I did figure that out too. Um, the cowbell, but. Um, like I said, um, I was in a, we're about to club today. Um, I've been dealing with this one guy. I've been in this area just for the last four or five months um, in this new area. And this guy, you know, being that up, put it like this. Out of the 10 years I've been at this place, usually one or two black in the group. I'm usually one or two. And if everybody knows me, I just, I just, you know, I'm kind of like, you guys want to keep to myself, but I do interact a little bit, but I know when to go, okay, that's enough. I stay in the game, knocked on wood. Not to be little for anyone. I'm in line. This guy over the last two or three, you know, not really over the last two or three months, when he talks to me, it's a lot of jive talk. He's white, of course. Hey, what's going on, man? And I look at him, and I just look at him like, who do you talk to? So we're in line today. Of course, I'm the only black in line. And he goes, oh, big money. You thought you could like, I said, man, listen. I said, you can, you can diss me with all the job talk. You know what I'm talking about. That job. I'm talking about, man, no, I'm, no, I'm not trying to be like, man, you need to start getting regular English. The King's English. And, um... You know, he started to, oh, no, man, I wasn't trying to offend him. No, you're not. You're just, you're just coming off very bad. You know, I'm like, I, I don't know what you're going to, what are you looking at to make you talk that way to me? My hat's not banging left or right, not to the back, to the front. I'm not waiting to clock out. You know, I'm, I mean this, man, when I come here. I mean, I'm, you know, oh, no, man, oh, you know. So he finally got it today. I'm not playing, you know. Stop that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a person that likes the spotlight, but if it needs to be shine on me, then we're going to turn the lights on everybody. You know, that's just how I am. So um, I had an incident um, to where um, just a couple of years ago I was on, a, on, a, uh, on some of the equipment making some repairs, and I was filling in on a Thanksgiving, actually. Last year, Thanksgiving. I, feel I worked on Thanksgiving triple time. I you know, I'm 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 never gonna turn those down. And uh I'm in there working and of course, you know, the white people don't like when you when you when you suck in all their overtime. You know, they, oh. they hate it to where you stay at work. Um when you working, you know, you're taking their money. But I'm always there and through the union you got to you have to ask me. So I'm I'm working and this supervisor listen, I, I don't get into it with my supervisor, I try to 
create a good rapport with him. Um, so, you know, um, I, you know, uh, not, not bootlicking, but just, Hey, you know, Hey, this is who I am. And if you need anything done and usually he can see through my merit, through, through my work that, you know, you know what? Yeah. He, he's a stand up dude. He does his job. There's no pushback. I need him to do what he needs to do. But if there's something unsafe, my, my boss has me do, you know, I, I'm definitely going to say, Hey man, you know, you might want to check this out, check your rules and regulations. We can't do it like that here. And he, he usually on board with me. My, my supervisor is over me. Usually I've gotten into it with two supervisors in 10 years. And usually they're always the supervisor adjacent to my line or job area. And I take that into because the way I stand and walk around and move around and talk, they, it rubs them the wrong way. They don't like it. So when they get a chance to cover for my boss, they'll, they'll hone in. And I know it, I, can, I can expect it because I see it the way they look at me when, I, when they're not over me. So this day, my, my boss wasn't there. He was getting covered by um, a boss next, uh, the line next over. And uh, he proceeded to, throughout this day, say, bud. I, in my mind, I gave him three. You know, because, hey, let's just, you know, my name is on my shirt. Hey, bud, I need, and this is a younger dude, so I'm really, younger white dude, so I'm really not even feeling that. Hey, bud, <laughs> and, you know, so I <laughs> kind of smile, look down, you know, what's going on, man? You know, and he says what he needs to say, and I just turn around and do what I'm need to do. He called me bud for the third time, and this is where Mr. Fuller was talking about the pride thing. It can, it can hurt you. It can hurt you. Now, I don't know, I, this was before I was essentially taking on the code, you know, but I, I've always had some code built in me, you know. It just needed to be refined through this program and through the through Dr. Welsing. Mr. Floyd, I've I grasped a big chunk of it, but I am still learning. And uh, he, hey, bud, and yeah, I need you to do this and do that. And, you know, that was, that was it. So he walked off. I sat there. I gritted my teeth. I finished what I needed to finish. It took me five minutes, but I knew. Next move I was going to do was going to get down off that equipment and go to his office. So I did what I needed to do. I got down. I thought in my head, this is how you're going to reframe it. This is how you're going to say it. So make sure you got people around. You're not, you know, you're not abrasive, but you're very direct and definitive. So I walk up to him and I go, hey, I put my hand out as a gesture, you know, shaking hands. Hey, how you doing? My name, my name is Taylor. What's yours? Oh, you know, yeah, you, you know, I said, you know who I am? Yeah, I know who you are. You know my name? Yeah, I know. Why you keep calling me Bud? I'm like, there's no buddies here. You know, this is a place to work. You, know, This is a place of business. I'm, I'm working. My shirt has my name on it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind, you know, you addressing me like that. Because the Bud thing it just don't, it doesn't, I'm not Bud. I'm not your buddy. My name's never Bud. Nobody's ever called me Bud. So he starts smiling. Oh, you know, whatever, you know. All right. So we got that under control. Not even an hour later, he walks over to me and starts to, you know how many you've done here, you know? And I walked over, you know, like, you know, what do you mean how many have I done? You know how many uh, things you finished in this area? I go, do you know? And he goes, well, you know, yeah, I know. Then what are we talking about here? We're just spinning our wheels here, you know. 
and I and I say, you know, we I got things to do. So if you don't mind, you can do what you need to do, and I'll do what I need to do. You know, and that's it. And you know, he was heated. And all the old timers walk guys of thirty years walk. What the hell did you say? You got him mad as hell. No, I just told him go on. I kind of shooed him away. Not really shoot, but I kind of turned my back like soap operas, young and the rest of style. Kind of like, nah, you know, go go do what you do. You know what I'm saying? I do what I do. So if you know what I'm doing, you keeping your eye on me. Then why are you asking me? You know what I'm doing. Then go ahead and do what you need to do. But don't call me over here like you want to, you know get me back for checking you about <laughs> who I am. And, you know, later on, I had a friend that was in the office. And, you know, I try to keep friends, you know, people I contact with. He called, told me a couple after the Thanksgiving vacation. Hey, man, you know, um, dude came in there called, yeah, uh, I pissed Taylor off, <laughs> you know, laughing about it. And it showed me right there that these people, these white people, when they're making money and they they feel empowered that you i mean that they can do and say what they want to do and then they get surprised when you check them but then they laugh about it cuz they know you really can't do nothing like you're never going to make my money your money is super small compared to mine and that part of it that that part of it they know if you're about business and you're not making that money that pisses you off now, I'm telling you, I was heated, but, you know, I stayed under control. I'm not going to lose my job for somebody calling me something. You, you know, I'm not going to lose my job. You could, you know, and I learned, you know, over the last year or two, if somebody was to say nigger or whatever, it's not phasing me, not one bit. As long as you don't touch me, we are okay. You can say what you want to say, and it doesn't affect me that much. Um, yeah, that was, a, that was a big incident. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I just, I ran through a lot of those. I went through the one at the, at the clock today and I went through that last year and I, and there's a bigger one I had gotten involved with when it came down to somebody saying the N word, a white person saying it, I'm not hearing it in my head, but I know he said it because the way he talks about people of other races. Then I know when I had somebody white that I know walk over to me and go, Hey man, dude over here talking crazy. What you mean, Tom Cray? He's saying y'all sound like a cackling monkeys back here. Ah, you know what I'm saying? Ah, <laughs> you know, so I had something that, you know, I, I went to HR and actually I didn't go to HR. The other black person went to HR and it involved me. So when they brought me into it, I, hey, if it's, a, if it's, you know, I'm the type, you know, like I'm the type of person, hey, you want to talk to me? Let's, let's put it all out in the open. Let's powder cake it. Let's, let's blow this up. Because this is what it's all about. And you are right. I think it was the firefighter um, from Florida. White people, and Gus, I think you said it too. White people will try to insult you while they're there. And, you know, when I'm sitting here at HR, we're going back and forth. Mind you, I had my phone recording everything. Well, that's what I do whenever I sit in a closed meeting with anybody uh, uh, that's over me. I sit with my phone on so they can hear everything so I can come back with it, with everything. And, um, and I sat there with this person and this person had the audacity to say, I didn't even know this person. This person didn't know me, but she, she said, I see, you know, you know, you have a problem listening. I had listening, you know, and I kind of was just like, you know what? And this is where I wasn't codified. I was like, you know what? I've had enough here. Slid, slid my chair. I was like, 
I'm gone. I heard you. I heard this. I heard that. That's enough. I'm good. You know, and kind of walked off from that. So I just, you know, people, I go through it every day. I mean, practically every day with either, you know, I walk in a break room, they got it. They keep it on Fox News. And people just, you know, you get the Sheriff David get up there and start talking crazy about Black Lives Matter. You know, and these white people just sit back and kind of grin and, you know, nod their head, you know, yeah, that's right. And I just, you know, I don't comment. They can say, you know, I had a guy, yeah, because he's a damn, talking about Obama, because he's a damn Muslim. You know, I'm just like, you know what, I don't say anything because it's, it doesn't, it's beneath me to even talk to these people. It's just, you know, I, but I, when I do, I, I, I like to listen to workplace racism because, you know, I go through things every day. And sometimes I just, it's no point to even talk about it. We're all going to go through it. But I like to hear people and either A, their mistakes because you learn from them, or B, what they go through. I like the firefighters. I heard them talk about it before. They'll talk about the uh, name tag and how he would uh, either flip it upside down or do something. And, and I found that funny. But you know, when you're retired and you're sitting on the edge where you're about to be done with it, you can do things like that. I just, you know, and another thing, excuse me to jump all over the place. This is the go to uh, back to the ESPYs. Why wasn't there any um, white people up there? Why wasn't there any basketball uh, football players or baseball players? Well, I got it because Donald Sterling and all that happened, and, and, and the new our, the, the new commissioner he's getting hugs and slapbacks from from all the other black people because what he did to Donald Sterling. But you see nobody in baseball who has a low um, a low um, part participation. Um, in MLB, it's not, it's what, below 13% black people, even in um, Major League Baseball and the football, full of black people. There was nobody there that stood up. And there's only four, what, LeBron James, Carmelo, uh, D. Wade, and I forgot the other one, but it's like, why wasn't Steph Curry um, up there? I mean, you know, got a beautiful black wife and kids and, you know, Creole mother, whatever, you know, it's like, hey, get up here and say something. They, they glorify you. You are the nation's baby. You know what I mean? You know, I mean, white people, like you said, Michael Rappaport standing up for Steph Curry. I'd be like, man, you know, I, I just look at that. I, I just look at it. It's just one sport, the NBA that was standing up there. NFL's about to start up. Somebody could have stood up there. But I find that hilarious, though. I sit back and just look at these things and, you know. But, you know, I, I'll mute my line. Thank you. For sure. For sure. Uh, other folks that we have not heard from, uh, we have other, other people with Ma'am, we heard. Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, thank you. And I'll be quick at this. And, and to the gentleman that, that was just, I wasn't laughing at, at him, but I know when he said, the woman said, you know, you don't listen. He, he said, you know, I pushed my chair back when I heard this, you know. Now, this time was kind of funny because it's just so sad what we go through. And, you know, sometimes you got to find some humor in, in, and some of this yes. is just unbelievable, you know, because you know, you just like you want to jump across the desk and just put your hands around somebody's throat and just kill them, Hell and then move yeah. on. And we know we can't do that, <laughs> you know. So I wasn't laughing at you. I just thought it was funny the way you said it. <laughs> so let me say hello to you, Gus, and to all the callers on the line. And I just, I just want to just touch on this isn't me, but since we're talking about the NBA and um, you know these players. There's a story, and then you talk about the police lady who was out of Cleveland, 
And um, I think the young lady from New York mentioned, oh, the young lady out of Alabama who was, um, I, I saw her story, but I didn't read her story, and that she had gotten fired for it because I think she was Miss Alabama. But there is a player in Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns. I cannot think of his name, so um, forgive me. You know, I just can't think of his name. But anyway, it's my understanding, I heard this, like, Tuesday morning. So evidently it must have been either somewhere Sunday or Monday. He tweeted out this this picture. Here we go, social media. It was a police it is a painting like and the person the, the police are sitting person at all just all black. Couldn't see the eyes, couldn't see the all black, who was slitting the throat of this police officer. When this Cleveland Wild player, he tweeted that out and then he deleted it. But you know how you know how this thing is, somebody caught it. So when I woke up Tuesday morning, the radio station I listened to, you know, um, I'm right, I'm like, like an hour south of Cleveland, you know, they were talking about it. So, like, you know, one of the white guys was like, yeah, you know, I didn't think he needs to be fired because he just really wasn't that good, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. So they kept talking about it. So I was thinking about it, and I said, well, my contention is that probably by the end of Tuesday, I felt he would have been fired. Well, that didn't happen. So Wednesday I was reading something on social media, and I think it was, the, the the police are like upset, and they would you know the the, th- the threat was we would not be in the stadium I guess on their whatever their home their first home game would be, so they're threatening you know we won't be in the stadium so the guy apologized he just apologized so it's my understanding on Wednesday that the president of the the president of the police union which is where I think a lot of this if we can get to the police union, you probably could break up some of some of the stuff. But you know, anyway, the president of the police union, if I'm not mistaken, he goes on TMZ, which you know is like the gossip show for you know, and it's really they really always on black people, and he's basically saying like we don't accept this apology. You know, he needs to go to Dallas and help those police officers' family. He needs to cut a check, and that really stood out, you know, to me. And there was a couple other things. This, the, the president of the police union was saying, well, today I was on Facebook, and so there's a story out there that he's donating his first paycheck to these, this, these families of these five police officers in Dallas. So I said, you know, this is social media. because So I responded to the post I saw today on Facebook, and I'm like, you know, I'm going to explain because it was really sad that, you know, the people on the post, they, you know, they would just call them, oh, this cool, this cool. I hate that word. But, you know, this cool, this is cool. So, you know, I came in and I was, like, telling the story. And then I'm like, oh, it's not so much that he's cooing. You know, so he, 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 just, he made a horrible decision, you know, and I, and I explained what he did. And at the end, and I put it in the, in the post, and I even say this, you know, we have to recognize the, the times that we were in. And I, you know, I said, I said, if he were a white guy and had put something up like that and, you know, deleted it and then apologized, that, that would have been it. And I said, but you know, when we do these things, the hammer comes down. It's like a sledgehammer hitting a net. When it comes down on us, it's going to come down on us. And I was just saying that we have to remember the times that we are in, the times that we're in. And, you know, I know how sometimes you want to come out and say something. If you feel like you're going to put something on social media, you need to know how to write stuff that you can get your point across from outside like this because they're being watched. And so, you know, kind of like the fire, the, excuse me, the retired firefighter said, it, it's going to be made to see what, you know, how 
the Cavaliers respond to, you know, LeBron James doing this. I know these people up here, you know, this Akron is his home, and he is he's just loved magnificently because of what happened, you know. But still, it remains to be seen. It remains to be seen what will happen with Carmelo Anthony, what will happen with D Wade, and what will happen with the other young the other young man that was up there. But my whole point is to say because for this football player, this is a workplace racism. You know, this is a workplace in the sense it is like a workplace racism thing. But him, but in the sad though, because it's like. You you bought this all almost in the sense like to say it's like you bought it on yourself because you can't jump on social media say like I can and here not that I want to because the sad as it is I I need my job but you can't jump just jump on social media just say anything because they're watching and like I told a friend of mine I said we get into the workplace I said and they watch you like a hawk you know you could be coming to work every day. Uh, dressed in a certain way, and then one day you change, and you'd be surprised the number of people who you don't even pay attention to who will stop by you and comment on something that 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 you did. I saw this one lady today. I don't even know this woman. She told me this wow, you know, it's been a long time since I've seen you. Now I've seen her. I don't know that woman, but you know it. And I, you know, I will say too, I am a black female, and my hair is cut very. I wear my hair cut very close to my head, so I, you know, my figure is everybody in this building should know who I am, just because of the way I cut my hair. But, you know, my thing is they're always watching us. And so, you know, and like you said, and I remember, Dr., like you said, Dr. Cambron said, and I guess we can't say it enough, we really, really have to be careful with social media, you know. I mean, I just changed the studies on my my page, but unfortunately when I joined social media, I joined it under my name. So my name that's on my Facebook page is the name my mom and dad gave me. So, you know, I had to change my thing from the setting so that, you know, it's not accessible to everybody. But I just wanted to share that because somebody asked about the NFL, and like you say, uh, it's very quiet, but unfortunately they, they, they have come down on this gentleman. And I just want to say one other thing, it's very quiet among celeb- black celebrityhood even now, and I know that's their workplace. You know, whatever, whether they're singers, they're actors, there are not many people speaking out like a Jesse Williams. You know, and even though we know he, he caught a lot of crap for what he said, but it's really kind of sad just about everything he talked about. And at least we've seen it come uh, to fruition in just the last couple of three weeks. But everybody's not speaking out like Jesse Williams. So it's awful quiet and celebrity dumb. And like I say, that's, that's their workplace racism. But I just wanted to share that story because that's the NFL. So, you know, and I'll mute myself. Thank you, though, for taking my call. For sure. Zuh. Hey, Gus. Can I, Gus, can I ask you a question? Yes, sir. Um, yeah, not to interrupt. I'll make sure I put this on paper so I don't have to jump in after I'm done. Um, I heard you. I heard the last podcast with Miss um, Miss Cooper, excellent. And I heard you at the end. And then I hear you ask Mister Fuller a question Wednesday. What was your second question? Do you remember? Uh, why, in his uh, counter racist code, the way that he's written it, uh, when victims of racism, if they make a decision that counterviolence is the step that needs to be taken why does he think 
we should make sure that no non-white people are harmed if a victim of racism decides that counterviolence is what needs to be done. Why is it that non-white people cannot be harmed uh, in carrying out that act? That was the second part of the question. Um, I think okay. he did. Uh, I think he was able to answer it. Okay, I know because I heard the I heard the brother that came on at the end of the show, and you know I had to grit my teeth as he talked and uh, um, as he spoke. Is this related and, to workplace you know, racism? Yeah, I, I, I do apologize. That has been on my mind since Wednesday. Like, man, you know. So I apologize. I just wanted to know what you were, you, uh, your second question, because they never let you get get the second question in, and I, that was important to me. Sorry. So go ahead. For sure, we'll have time to talk about that on uh, Saturday. Okay. Um, I did want to get in because I think it was you who were saying that they, the white people on your job, where they will put the television on Fox. I think we have at least one other uh, frequent participant in uh, our commentaries on workplace racism and the compensatory call in where that seems to be a pattern where I think he even shared one anecdote where a race soldier on his job put the television on Fox, took the batteries out of the remote control and stated explicitly that he did this on purpose to aggravate a black person who was going to be coming into this area where the television is for, I guess, break or lunch or whatever it was. Uh, and said, I'm doing this purposely so that I can agitate this black person so that he won't be able to change the television channel. He'll have to just forced to uh, to to watch, to consume Fox's content and whatever they're talking about. Uh, and the the football player that uh, a previous caller in Ohio that she referenced, uh, Isaiah Crowell is his uh, name. And I guess he posted this picture of a enforcement official having his throat slid. And uh, this was uh, a big to do uh, in Ohio over the past uh, few days, uh, as well as the commentary that uh, LeBron James and company did uh, at the ESPYs last night. They were talking about that as well in Ohio and elsewhere. Um, anybody else that we have not heard from? If you have other folks on the line that have not shared at all, if you had uh, commentary, you should speak now. May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Uh, hi, this is a cool from Milwaukee. Um, I got a, I had a follow-up call from uh, the uh, advising council at my at my place of work, but um, I don't know. It, it was a, kind of a lot to take in. I sent you an email uh, about it. It's kind of a lot to take in, but um, I I think it would be like overwhelmingly kind of like uh too much for me to talk about now but i mean i don't, I wouldn't mind if you read the email i just i guess i just don't want to go through all the details but i do have um another uh incident with um when i was going to um, one of the hospitals to deliver um a pa- package um there is one black female that's a security guard and the other security guards are all white males and they have to, they're supposed to uh, escort us all the way into the nuclear medicine lab. You have to have a security escort. They told to escort you all the way through. Now, in the beginning, they used to do that. But um, lately, the white males, none of them escort me all the way back to the nuclear medicine lab. They just, you know, use their badge and they just let me walk through. But when I... The last time that I went, the black female was there. I don't get to see her all the time, but she was there. 
And um, I just wanted to see if she was going to walk me all the way through. She always has, has walked me through, but I, I had, you know, lately the other ones were not. So I just wanted to see if this was like something that they were all doing. But she walked me all the way in there. And then I mentioned to her, I said that, um, that the other security guards, I said, they don't even walk me all the way back here anymore. And she said, you know, that's kind of interesting because they are constantly on me asking me, do I escort you guys when you come in all the way to the back? But they don't. They never They never escort me. And that was all I had. I just thought that, you know, that was an interesting observation that they, they heard. They constantly are on her about walking us back, but they never walked me all the way back to the nuclear medicine lab. That's all I had. Thanks. Is that something that just started? Like, is this a new pattern where they don't escort you, or is this just the way it's always been, that they never have done this? No, they used to do it. In the beginning, they used to do it, like, maybe for the last, maybe, I would say, three months. They just stopped. They haven't been escorting me all the way back. They're supposed to go, they're supposed to go all the way back there, which you wait for you, and then take you all the way back down, back down the elevator, and, you know, then you go out the door. So, but like for the last three months, all of the white males, none of them, they all, they just put the badge, you know, let me through the door and they go on about their business. So, and I have to go, I go in there and I come back down by myself, but they didn't do that before. They just started that like about three months ago. They started doing that. Mm. White lives matter. I think that's been a theme that has come up in workplace racism a lot as well in terms of the type of uh, protection uh, that uh, black employees uh, are offered uh, in comparison to uh, the protection that uh, white employees get on the job. I think we've had quite a few folks who talked about that uh, as well. Um, we did. I did read uh, your update on the situation about the uh, sexual harassment that you have been experiencing on the job and trying to get that rectified. Uh, we did uh, share, uh, I guess, in you getting the the follow-up conversation from the consultant. I think some of the people did share. I know uh, if you said it was kind of overwhelming, if you're still processing, uh, if you, you know, prefer to deal with it later, that's fine too. But I know at least some people uh, did have suggestions in terms of you uh, getting uh, follow-up written documentation in terms of like a, a summary of what you all discussed. Uh, and I think Ross also pointed out in terms of them, not you noted in the in uh, your written correspondence to me that they did not apply the company's policy uh, on sexual harassment to this white man suspected racist uh, in the situation. I would review their policy and procedure on sexual harassment uh, myself uh, just to see what it is uh, explicitly and then to see how it would apply uh, to this uh, specific situation. Uh, I thought it was interesting as well because it seemed like there was there was widespread abuse, which generally tends to be the case where it's not just this, but then the name calling, them calling you Pepper Jack and this other stuff, it seemed from the email that you didn't even know that they had been uh, doing this. I guess they were calling the other, another black female employee calling her Velveeta and then calling you Pepper Jack. I think these are cheeses, by the way. That's uh, significant as well, in my opinion. But was that was that accurate that you didn't know that they had been calling you Pepper Jack as well? Right, I had no idea until she uh, asked me on the, you know, she asked me that on the phone today, and I'm like, I had no idea that that I was being called Pepper Jack. So I guess when he she talked to him, he must have said, you know, I guess was trying to explain to her like, 
he he didn't think that I was offended by anything that was said. And, like, you know, like, we have this rapport. Like, I call her Pepper Jack, and I call the other girl Velveeta. But I, I never knew that. I, I never heard anybody <laughs> refer to me that way. But I've heard them refer to her as Velveeta, but not me as Pepper Jack. Everybody calls me by my name. So, you know, and, and I wouldn't have them, you know, I wouldn't have them calling me anything else other than my name. So it was just kind of surprising to me when she said, when she said that. But it was, it was, I just felt like, I felt like, um, like, like I was the defendant, you know, like I was like, she asked me these questions and it's like, I felt like I had to defend my position as if, you know, and, and then she admitted that he said, he said, he admitted that he said these things, but like, this is, this is, you know, he's the person that says all the jokes around the job. And, like, it's, I don't know, kind of like it was, like, not a big deal. You know, that's how I, I kind of thought it was just, like, I said, it was kind of, like, overwhelmed. I'm still kind of processing it. And I do, and I do want to, you know, I want to do a follow-up email with all of the things that we've dis- discussed. But I just want to make sure, like, that, um, you know, it's done in a constructive way because like right now I'm like kind of like really like emotional about it and like I don't want to be writing and with all the emotion I want to make sure it's constructive you know so just you know I I just talked to my son about it and he was like yeah you need to write a follow-up email about that and make sure you write down everything that you know that all the conversation that you had just to you know say just have something in writing that, you know, you guys did talk about that. So, even now talking about it, it's like, I'm just, you know, like, my heart is, my heartbeat is, like, going up. It's just, like I said, it's just kind of overwhelming because I guess I did make, I, I don't even know what I expected, but it just was, like, wow. Like, she asked me these questions, like, like, I have to defend myself. Like, this is just who he is, you know. So, I, you know, I don't know. But I, I do appreciate um, anything that um, that will be helpful in uh, moving forward with this. Mm-hmm. Well, I know one of the things that uh, stands out for me, uh, and I think it's really important in terms of <clears throat> kind of going back to what Mr. Fuller was talking about in terms of uh, equal protection. If they're implying or even if they're stating it uh, overtly that, Hey, that's just who this guy is. You know, he says this sort of thing and he makes these sort of jokes and this is this is not a big deal and you're just too sensitive, you're overreacting. I would want to know so and I and this I would try to write down exactly what he said. Like any any anyone in these situations where someone is saying something with if they're making some sort of sexual comment to you or to someone else in the area, uh, or anything that you think is racist, anything that's just incorrect behavior. I would want it documented. And I was even thinking about your situation before I got your email yesterday, earlier in the week. Anytime on the job, if someone makes some sort of sexual comment, it would be ultra serious mode. As soon as they make the comment, I would whip out a pen and pad. And I mean, I would make it blatant to whoever made the comment. Uh, what Mr. Smith, Miss Rogers, what did you just say? And I would let them see that I'm writing down exactly 
what they just said. And then I would go through the procedure that we talked about before. The next time that there's a meeting and I would want this person present, I would read the statement. I wouldn't identify them the same way that we talked about it before. I'm not here to make an accusation. I'm not here to get anyone in trouble. I just want to see if talking like this, having an employee speak in this manner, if this is acceptable, if this is in line with our corporate strategy and the way that we're supposed to conduct ourselves here on the job. And see what they say. If they say, hey, that's no problem. This is how we run things. This is the bunny ranch here. And this is how we're all supposed to. Okay. <laughs> right there, that, that's good to know. If it's not, then what is supposed to happen? What's the procedure for dealing with these sort of comments? Uh, and I think that that would have a constructive uh, result. But with her, since, you know, this has already got started, I would want to know, is this an acceptable way of talking to everybody in the company? So, the president, the CEO, the manager, you, it's acceptable for anybody to be making these sort of comments. Hey, me and you, we should have a, a roll around session in the van. It's open. We can go in and do a quickie for five minutes. That's acceptable. That's the type of environment that we think is appropriate for this workplace and just see what they say. And I would have the, the policy and procedure. I'd probably go through that and look specifically at their section on sexual harassment uh, and anything that's dealing in terms of people making comments or talking in a way that is incorrect or not in line with being professional and see what it says. I would have the policy and procedure there. But just ask, is this the way that everyone is supposed to talk? Not just this guy, because he's a jokester, but this is the way that everybody can talk to anybody on this job. The manager, the CEO, the custodian, whoever. This is how we can all talk to one another. And this is acceptable. This is something that you all promote and see if they think that's acceptable. Yeah, I, I did ask her in another conversation before, like, what happens when people violate the policy? Because I said, it seems to me that the policy has been violated. Because, you know, I, I read it. And uh, they say, like, any any unwelcome uh, sexual advances, and, you know, will they have a policy against bullying and all that? I said, I believe that both of these policies have been violated. Like, what happened? And so she said, you know, she just told me she was going to be doing an investigation and everything, and she's going to be getting back to me, but she's supposed to be calling me back again when she's done with everything. I guess to let me know what the, you know, final results are. I would have a question about that as well. Uh, if the policy says specifically unwelcome uh, commentary or sexual talk, anything like that, uh, whom determines whether or not this is welcome? Because uh, it would seem to me if even one person, even if it's one person that's not being addressed directly, if they do not find this to be welcoming, then it would be in violation of the policy. That would be my interpretation of it. But I would have to ask. That would be a question that I would want clarified. So if uh, so, it, it seems if that's I would want the exact way the policy is written. But if I'm interpreting it, it would seem if anybody finds this to be not welcoming, then this is in violation of the policy. And this person is doing something incorrect. I would just want them to say whether or not that's true, or if it's like you have someone who is an arbitrator, they get to decide whether what is welcome and what is not. And they just get to adjudicate case by case basis. I would just want that clarified uh, so that I know, you know, exactly how the, uh, how the policy functions uh, on your job. Okay. Yeah. I'm sitting here taking notes. So that I don't know what questions, you know, to ask her or, and, you know, put, I'm going to put these in the email also. And then with, again, when I, uh, whenever she calls me back to, uh, let, 
see what the uh, I guess the final uh, results are. I would want a copy of the investigation as well. If she's doing uh, an investigation, I would ask if you can get a, a copy of the investigation. Uh, if it's a summary, uh, if she didn't exactly record every conversation, like if it's a summary of the people that she talked to, what the people that she interviewed, a summary of what they said and, and how they were able all the information that they gathered to come to a conclusion about how to proceed with this. I would want a copy of uh, the investigation Okay, I appreciate that. I'm taking notes because I I just want to, I just want to, like I said, do this constructively. I just want to be able to go to work and not, you know, hear things like that. You know, that's what she then she asked me that too. Like, what is it that you want to happen? It's just, I don't know. For me, it's just like so obvious. You know, I'm just like I don't want to be harassed. You know, that's what I don't want. That's what I want to happen. Not to be harassed. I want you guys to enforce your policy. Mm-hmm. Did folks, uh, <clears throat> other folks that uh, called in, because I, I read <clears throat> your email at the, excuse me, I read your email at the beginning of the program, so folks should be on the line who heard it. Folks have any other uh, suggestions, anything that they would recommend? I know I would probably add in there as well with the name calling, since that came out and that's new information. Uh, who knows what other things might have come out in the investigation? Is that policy and procedure with this company to promote name calling? of employees calling employees names that are not their legal name as specified on their uh, employee information and things. If they don't have a policy, I would just ask, is that your policy? Like we can just make up names about you. Same thing with the sexual, or we can just make up names about you and decide that you're going to be, you know, mozzarella or anything else that we come up with and, and call you these names either directly to you or about you. Uh, Is that the way that, Things are supposed to function uh, here on this job. See what they say about that as well. Uh, is that something that needs to be addressed so we can get that stopped also? Because that would seem like incorrect behavior to me as well. So even if I, well, she said, but I've never heard anybody refer to me in that way. But, so just because she mentioned it, I should, I should ask about it. Like, I've never heard anybody at the job say, you know, this is definitely that until she said something to me. So you just didn't ask about it anyway because she mentioned it. Well, it seems like it's not just you. It seems like there there's some name calling of other black people as well with the uh, calling them Velveeta. Uh, and just if it, if there's widespread name calling of black people on the job, I would be curious about that. Like, do we have any sort of policy uh, about name calling uh, on the job? Or is that that's accepted? That's not a big deal. Like, we're not supposed to be sensitive. So what? They're calling you something other than your name. Big deal. Get back to work. If that's the policy, I would want to know that. But that at least does stand out as something that I would uh, that I would inquire about if it came out through this investigation that there is name calling of multiple black employees on the job. But the the other the other black female she doesn't she doesn't care that she's called to, you know like I said in the in the email like some so another white male just gave her another name like you know the first one of the first couple of days that she started just told her right out that he didn't want to call her her name and he was gonna start calling her Wanda from now on and so now he calls her Wanda I mean. Uh, 
and this is these are just suggestions certainly you are the person that's in your job that would go for everybody these are just suggestions uh certainly you uh are the one that's experiencing all this you're the one you have uh the most information about all this and you're the one that's directly experiencing it so certainly uh you come to your own conclusions about uh how you want to proceed uh if you want to use any of the suggestions or no just my suggestion i have seen where racists that is one of their uh techniques where they can it seems they can always find a victim of racism who is acceptable with racism. I don't have a problem with you calling me, calling me names uh, or saying this or uh, this incorrect behavior that you're engaged in. I don't have a problem with it. It's, it's very easy for racists to find black people and particularly in a workplace situation. Cause a lot of black people, they don't want to cause problems. Uh, they don't want to draw any attention to themselves. So they will just go along uh, with a lot of things. They don't want to say anything. That's, common uh, and i'm not saying it's like be angry with the the victim she's a victim uh but it's my experience that they will just use that to continue to practice racism and even to increase uh the incorrect behaviors because it's nobody has a problem here with this but you uh, and i would just try to make it about correctness doing the correct thing on the job is this what we want to promote calling employees names other than what they wish to be called, calling them names that are not their names. Is this the type of environment that we want to encourage, promote, allow on the job? And do we even have policy and procedure already about how we're supposed to address uh, address other employees? Because it's been my experience that there are jobs where they state, you know, we're not engaging in name calling, you know, call people what they want to be called, that sort of thing. Some places they do have that. So. That's just why I think it's uh, important, particularly if we already have a very toxic environment where it's, hey, people are making sexual uh, sexual uh, engaged in sexual harassment. And it's no big deal because this person didn't have a problem with it. And this is just a joke. It just to me, I would not want to. Nothing would be taken lightly in this sort of environment because I've already seen that this is way out of hand already and could get way worse uh, where it could end up going from we're calling you names we're making sex, uh, sexual harassing comments. Now we might even be engaged in sexually harassing behavior. I think we had a black female who called in before who said that it moved to a white man pulling his pants down in front of her and exposing his penis. This can get way out of hand. Uh, and I just I think it's extremely important. Stop halt immediately because racists, they have no intention of stopping. It's just going to get worse and worse and worse. The terrorism accelerates. So that's why I would say I would just be asking to try to stop all of this uh, and just being very direct. Is this correct behavior? You're calling people something that's not their name. Is this what we want to promote? And does this apply to everybody, not just me and this other black female, everybody that it's OK to call people names, make up names. I don't want to call you June. That's your name. I'm not going to call you that. That's what we're supposed to be engaged in on the job. And just be clear about that uh, in terms of just promoting correct behavior and how we treat each other on the job, if that makes sense. And if that even seems reasonable, you know, to think in that in that in that manner. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. I'm just ask, I'm just like you know asking questions. I'm I'm learning, so I'm not you know I'm I'm willing to take off suggestions. I'm just trying to put everything out there so I can get the best information possible. So I really appreciate all the suggestions I'm taking those right now. That's the hmm. And may I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Just another suggestion, too, and um, I, I just can't forget a friend of mine, he is like a general manager of uh, one of these 
the Navy stores, you know, CB trends and stuff like that. And one of the things he all we would talk about his job, how he did his job, what goes on. He talked about the things, you know, his employees and stuff would do. And so he would stress. And I mean, he said, he said, always read your handbook. There's got to be policies on harassment, what the punishment is, what, you know, what this can lead to, you know what I'm saying, like that. And um, if, if this is something that, you know, I do know today with, with, you know, the Internet and everything being what it is, um, you know, a lot of stuff is on Internet. Then go online, go on their, your, company's, uh, your company's website and, and print that down. Uh, and, and, you know, highlight yourself because really when stuff like this happens, sometimes you need to have to come back with, to them and say, well, in the employee handbook under harassment, it says blah, 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 blah. You know, because so, when you come to them with that information, you know, then they go, you know, I, you know, in their minds, like, oh, God, this ain't no one of these dumb niggas here. This is somebody that can know, that knows something. And, uh, you know, we just got to do that. He, he, he stressed that. And so that is just a suggestion because, like you said, when she asked, you know, uh, what is it that you want? And like you said, you know, you, you told her, well, it should be obvious that I want to, you know, stop being harassed. Um, you know, because sometimes we need to be able to say, well, the handbook says this. Or turn it back on her. What does the handbook say if employees are being harassed? You know, so we, we, we need to be able to. So that's, that's just a suggestion. And like I say, that's from, a, like I say, I have a very good friend. Um, she's, he's the husband of a very good friend of mine. So they're both very good friends of mine. And he's, like I say, a general manager. And he, he we talk about, he always said that he's like, I can't stress it enough. Read your handbook. Know your handbook, because if you know your handbook, you know your company. You know what they tolerate or what they won't tolerate, how they handle things like that. Um, it don't make no difference that the, the young lady who's allowing herself to be called, not her name, to be called out her name, it, that, that doesn't have anything, you know, to do with you per se. And hopefully it will be that if there's something there that, you know, you could, you know, say to her if you want to, that, you know, you really don't have to take that. Because there is something like Gus said earlier about white people and names. You know, I mean, how, how do how do I come up to you and say, well, you know, Gus, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to call you Gus. I, I'm going to call you Henry. How do you do, who does that? How do you do that? But we know in this country with, with the history, our history in this country, and still, you know, I don't care what say, the spirit of their ancestors live in them, you know, that the name is, you know, your name, you know, my name is Kunta, your name is Toby, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, you have to do what you have to do for you, and hopefully it will help others. Because, you know, I understand people come into jobs, they need their jobs. You know, you think, oh, this is fun, and then, like you say, it starts off, you think it's fun, but then, you know, two, three, six weeks, six months down the road, this thing is just off the rails. So make sure you, um, that handbook, I, that's, that's my suggestion to you. I can't stress it enough. Check out your handbook. Get a copy of it. Do what you got to do with it. And uh, read it, know it, and when stuff comes, you know, because sometimes you have to fight fire with fire. The handbook says this. The handbook says that, and since the handbook says this and that, then this is what I'm expecting. And I'll mute myself. Thank you. Other folks have uh, commentary they wanted to make sure uh, they got in. 
or suggestions on this, we'll, we'll definitely. I know Roz had another comment he wanted to get in, and uh, I think we had some other callers. But anybody, any other suggestions uh, for our female caller in Wisconsin with the sexual harassment issue? Yeah, yes, may I be heard? Yes, sir. Yeah, um, I was listening to her. I I think she's doing the right thing. But one, and I've been in, you know, situations, you know, like that, not sexual harassment, but mine was pure, you know, racism, white supremacy. One thing I would like to suggest to her, if you talk to anybody, make sure you put it in writing. You know, if they ask for names of witnesses, Make sure you get everything in writing, you know, and save all your, I guess, email correspondence with these people. Um, save all your letters with these people because I know white folks. See, white people have a way, when it comes to us black folks on the job, they have a way of accumulating and festering problems. So you did right by reporting that because next year it could be a whole different pro a whole different problem with the same white people involved, you know, and then they're gonna ask you uh next year, like I like you said, the name caller. They're gonna ask they're gonna say to you, Well, if this guy was sexually harassing you, uh, why didn't you report it? You see, so you're doing exactly right by, you know, keeping your documentation, you know, and, um, and you know, you have to, you know, keep it and, and, and you know, like I said, keep uh, everything you say to them uh, in writing, you know, in, in writing. One thing I, I do know, and I've, and I've seen this before, you know, like these big sexual harassment cases, you know, that I've seen on TV, the only women, now I might be wrong, maybe somebody could correct me, but the only women that I see with these big settlements, million-dollar settlements, are white women. So, and I was, because I remember we had a, a sexual harassment train. I was telling this guy, you know, this thing is designed to protect these white women. Because you look at Jennifer Flowers and all these uh, white women on TV get to come away with these $8 million. I have never seen a black woman uh, come away with $10 million from an all-white company with sexual harassment. But like I said, I think you're doing right because, like I said, and I'll repeat, just keep everything you say in writing a documentation because next year, you know, like you said, I, like I said, it could be a whole different problem, but the same names that bothered you and the sexual harassment could come up next year and you can say, hey, wait a minute. Uh, this is retaliation and this guy's been doing stuff in the past, so it's document that you have it. That's all I had. And I'll mute my line. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Also, I wanted to chime in with the um, with that same situation that the um, sister's been experiencing. Um, with the sexual harassment policy, because the sexual harassment policy is at the discretion of the recipient of the abuse, you can also um, bring up the whole idea or the, the fact, actually, that with it, depending on how it's written, that 
the company or the person who the higher up who you've been dealing with is violating company policy by not following through. Because if you're if you're a person who has received some sort of um, inappropriate behavior or something inappropriate was said or done to you or in your presence and you react in that way, it is supposed to be followed up. And those like the like the other sister was saying, the um the company, they always dictate what the consequences of that behavior is. And if she does not follow through with it, I would do just what Gus said in a company meeting. Is it okay that people treat other employees in this manner and it's not and it is not followed up and it is not treated with the respect that it deserves due to the fact that uh, uh, sexual harassment or harassment of any type is up to the discretion of the recipient of the mistreatment, not the person who's perpetrating the mistreatment. Um and and then from there, that'll really give you a foundation to move forward, even legally speaking, because they're violating their own company policy. And then if you um, – and, Gus, can you give the name of uh, Edward Williams's book? Because I would love to get my hands on it in regards to using the, con- the Constitution at work. Because, um, again, if there's something – I think you should get your hands on that book as well, um, simply because he might give you more um, information that you can utilize to facilitate getting a resolution and actually – um, that's why I said I can't wait to hear the whole exchange with uh, Neely Fuller Jr. in the beginning, because I think that's the beauty of what you played this morning. Is I mean, this um, earlier in the program is the fact that people get to hear these concepts in action. And this is not just Neely Fuller speaking from personal experience. This is another black male who's obviously a student of the code, and he's utilizing it exactly in the manner that Neely Fuller intended it to be used when he facilitated that entire concept. And um, that, that I think you can utilize in some form or fashion to try and get resolution in that regard. Um, thank you. It's uh, the title of Mr. Williams' book. It's uh, How to Support and defend the United States Constitution for victims of racism, white supremacy. Uh, it's available uh, on, I'll just put the link on my Facebook uh, page so that people can uh, see at the link that he has where you can get the copy of the book if folks are so interested. Thank you, and um, I don't actually have a Facebook, so can you email it to me, please? Oh. I would greatly appreciate it. <laughs> right on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. And I don't have a Facebook either, so could you email that to me, awesome? Uh, who is who? Who is speaking? Do this I? This is a cool. Oh, Akua, okay. Akua yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. But I, if you don't mind, I just wanted to read what the sexual harassment policy says. I have it in front of me because I, I I got it, you know, because of all of this. But it, it says sexual harassment is any unwelcome advance request for sexual favors or any other verbal or physical conduct of sexual nature. When one submission to such conduct is made either explicitly or implicitly a term or condition of an individual's employment, submission to or rejection of such conduct by an individual is used as the basis for employment decisions affecting such individuals or such conduct has the purpose or effect of interfering with an individual's work performance or creating an intimidating hostile or offensive work environment. Sexual harassment can include, but is not limited to, sexual innuendo or suggestive comments, offensive language, inappropriate physical contact, display of sexual-oriented objects or pictures or sexual gestures. Sexual harassment also includes offensive images and language or explicit images of a sexual nature through the use of the Internet, electronic mail, voicemail, or text message. And then here is the corrective action. Um, the company can address deficiencies in performance as well as violation of policies and procedures through corrective action. 
Corrective actions can include, but is not limited to, discussions or counseling, verbal warnings or written warnings to correct or change the behavior and improve performance to a satisfactory level. However, the employment relationship remains at will at all times and in certain situations, immediate termination will be warranted. So that's the, the sex, what they say about sexual harassment and then the corrective action. Wow, I think that really speaks to just what I said. It's, the, it's basically at the discretion of the recipient of the mistreatment. So in other words, if you're a person, like you said, the other black female tolerates being called uh, what, Velveeta or Cheese Whiz, whatever they were calling her, she's okay with that, so that could not be considered harassment. The moment that you indicate that it is inappropriate and that you do not like it, then, and essentially that gesture, when, she, when they said sexual gestures, him, I guess, grabbing his crotch or fondling his zipper, all of that is a form of sexual terrorism that he's performing. And that female who, who you spoke to, the higher up, is basically discounting or ignoring or downplaying um, your position or what was done to you. And I find that white people all throughout our history with them have always, and we read that in medical apartheid, they downplay or they diminish what we say when we go through things, or they'll um, essentially just say you're lying, outright lying or it's not actually happening to you. And this is something that they utilize in the means to obfuscate, like just to take just one of Justin's favorite words, and also to, um, to cause confusion and also to actually belittle your self-esteem and your black self-respect to the point where you just basically accept what they do and keep it moving. But in this case, you're, they're literally violating their own company policy. Um, so this is something you can really take a lot further. And I definitely think that um, Mr. Edward Williams' book will probably be of a help to you because he probably would be able to, and I'm thinking somewhere in that book, he might be able, might be addressing sexual harassment and using the Constitution as the backing for you to facilitate letting them know, like, wait a minute, you know, somebody's actually violating you know, the, the, the United States government, like what's going on here? And this is something you can take to, a, to another level using their own information to basically put them in a form of checkmate and also facilitate getting something done, even if you have to go above that, that woman who's obviously, you know, um, <clears throat> excuse me, obviously uh, forming like Voltron to help this white terrorist get away with doing what they're doing to you. It, yeah. it sounds like... Go ahead, ma'am. I was just going to say, my, my son did tell me to uh, find out who is the person above her. Because after I told him about the conversation, he said, oh, I just feel so bad for you. He's like, he's like mama, you're going to have to look for another job. He said, you have to look for another job because it doesn't sound like, you know, it sounded like, sound like she was, you know, really caring about that she was harassed. But he did. He said, find out who is the person above her. Uh, so you so you can get some uh, different maybe you get some different results. I was I was just going to say that that description that definition sounds like it fits your uh, your problem. Uh, I would I would also yeah but and in the process of it being going on uh, for so long uh, in order to. Uh, possibly one day uh, solve the problem. You just have to be, you know, you have to be persistent about it. Uh, you know, continue every opportunity you get to uh, report uh, the problem, you do so. Also include it on your performance evaluation. 
I don't I don't know of a, I don't know of a performance evaluation where there's not room for the employee who's being evaluated to comment. And in a lot of these evaluations, it gives a lot of space and it gives you the opportunity to add on, uh, even with, from my memory, with, with, uh, on, on the job that I was on with your own paper to add on something when it, when it comes to you com- commenting on based on what your supervisor evaluated you on and you include your problem right into that also. Uh, uh, because a lot of, uh, uh, more than just that person will be reading that, uh, it'd be a reference. It'd be a reference, uh, to if you, are uh, seeking or, or it is your time for a, a pay raise or a another position, uh, that you choose to, uh, buy for. And, uh, it would be something you know, uh, good. It just has to be worded in a way, uh, uh, as everybody has been mentioning that I've heard people mention in a codified, codified way, not necessarily pointing directly towards someone individually, but, uh, just have, you know, have it described, you know, on that performance evaluation also. There was something else that I wanted to include that, that doesn't have anything to do with, uh, uh, this lady's uh, situation that I've recently observed, and I'll, I'll wait till it's uh, appropriate to do so. It is workplace racism, though. Uh, folks, had anything else? Because we are winding down. So again, the no lollygagging. Wait until the last minute uh to get your hand up if you have comments that you want to share did anybody have any other suggestions and this is one we certainly can uh, pick back up we might even make some time for this on the compensatory calling because i do think this is really important and this is widespread in terms of uh the sexual harassment in the workplace uh just having to deal with this and and just trying to figure out codification so that we get more efficient uh at neutralizing this every single time on the job uh, but anybody else have uh, suggestions or comments they want to get on on this uh, situation specifically? Right on. Anybody that hey, we? Hey, Gus, I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Oh, Gus, I wanted to ask. I'm sorry. I just wanted to ask. Um, I remember. I think one time there was a an, a clip you played with Neely Fuller, where um someone was dealing with racism on the job. And I believe he was able to use the Constitution in order for them to go to, like, the state attorney general with what was happening with them to get resolution. And I'm wondering if that is an approach he can take, because essentially it'll expose the company since these, this one higher up so far is um, basically just diminishing what she's saying happened to her, number one. And um, I just wanted you to speak on if that was the case. I think I heard something like that a while ago because I've heard so many episodes now. It's just ridiculous. And then also, um, I was going to say, oh, man, I forgot what I was going to say. But, okay. But, yeah, um, I, I, I could have sworn it was something like that where he was able to use the violation of the Constitution to go to the state for them to basically deal with the company who was violating the rights of that person on the job and basically not taking action on things that were done to them on the job. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, I think that might have been B. Moore. Uh, she's a black female uh, investor. She's been listening for a minute. Uh, she 
was having a situation where she was on a job. It was uh, an academic setting. Uh, they, the whites that she was working with, they were mistreating her on the job. She ended up leaving that job. But I think the problem was that they continued the assault after she left and were making it difficult for her to secure new employment. And Mr. Fuller was helping her to resolve that by going. And he was not uh, approaching it as a racism issue, just as a uh, they are are not they are violating the Constitution and violating her rights uh, by what they were doing uh, in terms of blocking her from getting employment. Now, this was from uh, some years ago. I don't remember the exact details about what they were doing after she left. Uh, but it was it was causing her a problem in getting employment and the tips that you were talking about that he gave her. It was able to help resolve the situation to get them to stop uh, the abuse that was keeping her from getting uh, employment because it was very soon after she spoke with him. And I think she used some of the suggestions that he offered. Uh, it seemed to resolve things and she got new employment uh, in pretty short order uh, after she started doing that. But I think that was uh, from 2012 and. uh it's it's like August 2012 and it's titled Workplace Racism, uh, where she kind of explains the situation she was going through. Mr. Fuller uh, talks her talks her through it. And then uh, you have to keep listening. But a week or two after that on the compensatory call, and she dials in to give the, the follow up where she implemented those uh, uh, suggestions uh, and it resolved the matter. But uh, it might be applicable uh, if you even want to call Mr. Fuller uh, to kind of get explain the situation he might have a suggestion uh or three to offer as well uh you can he gives his number out pretty regularly uh on the air he's done so on this program many times it's uh 202 uh 484 5461 uh if memory serves uh, i'll double check uh myself just to make sure 202 484 5461 uh his number you can give him a ring uh, if uh, you want to explain your situation, and I'm sure he would have some suggestions. Uh, and you can check that program. I'll just post it uh, on the Facebook page. My Facebook page is public, so you do not need a Facebook uh, account to see my page. Uh, you can go there, and uh, I'll post the link for that program if folks want to check it out. Now, I'm going to say, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was just about to ask you, can you provide his information for her to reach out to him? Because he might be able to help her like he did with the the um, blackmail in the beginning that you played the clip of in the beginning of the show. And um, just to get in, the last thing I wanted to, to bring up, it was just relating to what Thomas in New York was saying um, in regards to me potentially being a part of this group. Now, I was going to uh, qualify it by saying that um, the group, group is supposed to be only black people on the job, first of all. And um, I still was very skeptical about it simply because that's just not part of my code to be on the job and put myself out in that kind of manner, knowing how white terrorists behave. So I was really on side, going on the side of nay, even though I would probably have discussions with him and things like that and maybe have some outside input, but I wouldn't want any direct involvement. And when Thomas in New York said what he said about him thinking it wasn't a good idea and why, it just kind of solidified the no for me. So I just wanted to... Um, to say that and it's not it's not anything other than the fact that we're on the plantation we don't have control over anything and any semblance of um 
uh, so-called rights that they're providing you on the job, whether you're black, non-white, or whatever the case may be, um, is, is, is fleeting. They can take it away or they can just do something different, even though they have this particular group in existence. They can still do something different, and i.e. rhetorical ethics. And like I always say, I do not trust white people. I don't care what it is they do. So for me, I think it doesn't make sense, and to me it will expose those people who are thinking in a manner that is counter-racist and simply by it being called like, and I don't know if that's the exact title, but I guess it's something in the vein of Black Lives Matter. I could be wrong, but um, just something in that vein to me just kind of exposes the people who might be thinking in a counter-racist manner. And again, as we know, white people are always watching us, like I said earlier in the show. So that was just my take. And I was going to say thanks to Thomas in New York because that little injection of input just kind of solidified exactly the side I was leaning on. And it has nothing to do with not wanting to assist black people. I do it all the time on the job. And um, there are a couple of people who I've discussed um you know, racism with and counter racism and there's a couple of folks who I've introduced to the show. Um, so it, it's it's nothing of that nature. It's just the fact that I just want to be codified on the plantation until, you know, I can get to either a better plantation or just make this plantation work as best as it can, um, for the time that I have it. And thank you for taking my, my comments. For sure. Do we I know uh, the retired firefighter he had comment you wanted to get in as well is there anybody that we missed like anybody who had a hand up uh who has not been able to comment at all Bob yes sir um, yes thanks uh greetings to guests the host the listeners and callers uh, i just had a few observations from the uh, past couple of days um number one it was uh a discussion where uh, they were talking about, well, white people were talking about, I guess, um, going out to clubs and stuff like that and drinking. So, you know, I just asked the question, you know, do do I uh, drink and all of that? And I said, no, I've, I've never had any um, alcoholic beverages and things like that. And she was like, what? No, never, never, ever, even back in, <laughs> even back in high school. I was like, no, I, I just, I didn't do that, you know, and so you ever went to any parties or something like that, you know, just, I guess, being uh, nosy and stuff, you know, asking me them kind of questions, I said, well, you know, a few times, and I just stopped going, really, and uh, she was like, well, why, why is that, and I just said, well, I just started to notice that it was non-constructive, and I just started to see that uh, it was conflict going on, and she started to agree with me, actually. And this is uh, a person who uh, has a young child and I guess was uh, frequenting, you know, clubs and bars and stuff like that, getting into fights. So she was saying how she got into, you know, fights and a bottle was thrown at her and, you know, a bunch of uh, violence, things like that. And the white male said, he said, that's good that he doesn't with what everybody else is doing. So you know, I don't have any, you know, I don't do any smoking, I don't do any drinking. I have no tattoos and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, they were just seeming real surprised. But this is still a person I suspect is uh, a white supremacist. So, but uh, I guess he was trying to just advocate uh you know, sobriety, I guess, like what 
discussion on that. And there was a, for the second one, there was a uh, time where I was showing a customer um, some of her records that she wanted to get printed out on a computer, and I forgot uh, to um, log off of the, the front screen after I closed out the program. So the IT guy, the uh, suspected race over he uh, came back to just to notify me. You know, the, the objective of this interaction was just to let me know that I should just log off. And, you know, I, was, I clearly understood that. I got the message, and he was just, uh, you know, just giving some kind of example, like, cause, you know, we'll, we'll come to the person whose ever name is uh, logged on to the computer, you know, and if there's anything that's inappropriate on there, you know, we'll have to come, you know, talk to you about it. Like, if you, you have downloaded anything, <laughs> or if you watched any uh, child porn, and then the the white woman that was standing there, she was like, "Oh Jesus, why, what are you talking about? What's in your mind?" And, you know, and he looked up at her, and then you know it was like a deflection from me. So he just said, "Yeah, just you know, just make sure you log off." And, you know, in my in my opinion, I think that may have been a projection of uh, what his um, twisted interest might be uh, for this person. So. That was that was number two. Uh, number three was in it was in the hallway where this uh, bailiff he used to be in the courtrooms, but he's been doing some kind of other occupation now. So I hadn't seen him in a while. So I had spoke. He had spoke to me, and I said, "said Well, it looks like you're wearing uh, suits now instead of the the police uniform or the sheriff uniform." And he said, "Yeah, you know." <laughs> said, "I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a preacher now," you know. So as he's walking out the door, you know, I'm trying to, to go back into the break room. And he says, because, yeah, you know, I'm uh, I'm testifying. He says, peace be on to you, my brother. <laughs> that, that's what he said. So, you know, whatever that's supposed to admit. Um, number four was the, uh, the the white male that took the batteries out of, out of the remote, you know, and left it on Fox News. He, um, he, he made a a comment, I guess, about something Donald Trump had said. And he was saying, you know, with politicians, you know, you just have to be careful about what you're saying because, uh, for example, he said there was a guy named uh, Clayton Williams in Texas. He made, um, I guess, some kind of metaphor, some kind of comparison to something. And he said something about rape. And he said, you know what, sometimes you just got to sit back and enjoy it, you know. And then I said, what happened to him? And uh, he said, well, that was the end of his campaign. So I guess he was trying to make a point that, you know, you just can't just be just saying anything, you know, or talking about political correctness. So, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much all I have this week. Wow. <laughs> That that uh, peace be unto you, my brother. That's another one. Uh, it's not quite as uh, explicit as the people saying, you know, bud this and that sort of thing. But that uh, white people calling me brother, period, or bro, any of the derivatives that just that oh, man uh, is it's nauseating. Um, 
it even reminded me religion of white supremacy. If he went from the bailiff and many of the bailiffs I've seen, they uh, carry a firearm to allegedly now he's testifying the, the religion of white supremacy. I can switch uh, my uniform, my fatigues hourly if I so choose. I am still <laughs> working dedicated to the practice of white terrorism uh, at all times. That fellow that took the uh, took the batteries out. Uh, he just seems like quite uh, quite an illustration uh, of racist man for all the things that he's done. It seems like he's one of the ones that's regularly talking about watching what you say, being mindful uh, about what you say, and paying attention to words on the job. Is that is that the same guy? That is correct. Mm. That's him. I mean, like very very skilled. I mean, number one, number one. Wow, that uh, that has been my observation. Again, white people are not ignorant about racism. They pay a lot of attention uh, in terms of what to say, what not to say. And even a lot of times, if you any of these uh, incidents that become a big deal in terms of being focused on racism, they won't indict the white person because they did something racist. They will just be talking about, well, you got to be careful about what you say. Can't just say anything. <laughs> like, uh, got to be more codified uh, if we're going to, you know, keep our foot on these niggers next. And let's go back to watch Fox News. <laughs> like, uh, I would just uh, I would just be watching him laughing and taking notes like uh, racist man in action every day. <laughs> I can learn a lot just by watching this guy. Yes, like he like he's very good at um like somebody can say something, whether it's, it might be the, a non-white or a white person. And he will take that statement and just quickly um, shape it into uh, using something to um, insult him with some kind of punchline. And he ends up laughing, usually um, on his own, on him, like, laughing on his own, you know. And um, I guess, like, even when we're looking at TV, you know, like the term black hole, like, that's in the uh, universe or whatever. And he'll, you know, kind of sexualize it or whatever. And, um, you know, just say all kind of stuff. And, like, one time when, like, that the SAE, the fraternity that was chanting on the bus, you know, he was asking me, oh, well, you know, did he, did they say that to you? You know, that's the question he asked me. I was like, no, it ain't said to me. It was making a chance. Seeing it was pretty blatant. You know, like, that's an interesting question. And the female that was in there, it was like they were trying to uh, combine to uh, counter against me, <laughs> you know, because they, they're both uh, people who are classified as white, but um, when I've talked to them uh, individually, they'll use terms like, you know, you know, we're, we're all mixed with this and that, and, you know, I'm a mutt, but then in another context, they are saying they are white people, you know, so um you know, they'll definitely uh, throw them tricks out on you if you don't uh, pay attention to them close enough. And they're trying to flex it. You know, what about uh, the police and, you know, things being done to the cops? And, oh, if I could add one last thing, like, he, I think he wanted to ask me about the police shootings, but, I, like, I've been going with that, that codification like I don't, I don't mention anything about race, racism, white supremacy on the job, you know, because they always have.
he'll turn his head like he want to say something, <laughs> and, and then he'll say a he like he said a comment. Oh, well, you know, isn't it isn't it nice to have a, a good looking news anchor? Because on our local station, we've had a black female on there, and sometimes they'll switch up the uh, the female anchors. And this was a person who I think is classified as white, more pale skin, recessive uh, features. You know, so he asked me that. So then I asked him a question, and I said, "Well, how often do they switch them out?" Like I didn't answer. <laughs> I didn't answer the question. You know, I don't think he realized I did that to him. So you know, that was a nice counter move. But I think he was practicing racism. So yeah, that that's pretty much it. Fascinating, fascinating. They are wordsmiths. <laughs> Go ahead. And even that sort of thing. Like again, white people are not ignorant about racism. Like them noting when oh they got the niggers off the news team. Great, got a white woman back up there, outstanding. And then ask you in some slick kind of way. They are paying attention. They are constantly paying attention to racism, white supremacy. They are the most color conscious people in the known universe racist man racist woman racist child uh did i know retired firefighter we got him did we miss anybody i thought we had everybody i thought there was uh there was one person who dialed in who had a hand up but uh i don't know if he dropped off or uh maybe he's saving it for uh for next time uh retired firefighter you said you had another comment you wanted to make sure you got in as well sir Yes, sir. Uh, I'm going to try to be as brief as I possibly can on this subject, uh, but I have been thinking about it. Uh, case study of, as you mentioned, white people are not uh, ignorant to racism, white supremacy, and this is a this is a quite an old strategy uh, in times where white people would want to really have a time of of uh, practicing uh, their terroristic uh, uh, negative behavior, they would put a non-white black person in charge, in at least in position. Uh, we have examples such as the mayor of Philadelphia back in the uh, 1980s. Uh, I believe during the L.A. riots, it still was a black male who was the mayor of Los Angeles at the time. I could be wrong about that. Uh, as we know, the president of the United States is constantly uh, in the, this type of positions uh, to the non-white black person, BGQ. I'm focusing on the power, deceitful, terroristic uh, strategies of the racist white supremacists. As I mentioned before, uh, this is an old strategy. The latest one is Dallas Police Chief David Brown uh, and his uh, I'm, I'm looking at an article uh, that was uh, actually written by a non-white black female Brianna Cox is her name uh, and the title of it is Why the Dallas Police Chief's Speech is Making People of Color Cringe uh, and she gives uh, some uh, some talking points uh, for them uh, I'll just read them off right quick. Uh, in essence, the speech that he made in front of a national televised audience, basically what, this, what the speech was, was, was the, the status of Dallas Police Department. Now, mind you, Dallas Police Department was one of the, one of the out of a terrible uh, total in global environment, 
Dallas police was one of the most terrible terroristic police departments in the history of the world. Uh, uh, and uh, I mean, it was really bad. And of course, as we all know, the brunt of that uh, negative uh, negativity was was placed on the uh, on non-white black people in the city of uh, Dallas, Texas. Uh, in his speech, uh, he mentioned something about uh, uh, a uh, kind of like a cliche. Actually, we're hiring. Uh, talking to the people who were protesting against the uh, the violence, uh, uh, and uh, uh, that was that was one of the points. Uh, the second point was uh, we still haven't really identified the police, that police brutality is a police problem. All of these points really are coming from powerful white people. And also another example is uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Uh, Colin Powell and how he uh, was deceived into into making that speech in, in, in front of the uh, in front of the world uh, from uh, I believe he was at the uh, uh, what was that where was he at at the time United Nations if I'm not mistaken uh, so it's very consistent it's a very consistent strategy is what I'm saying uh, on on how white people uh, practice this strategy uh, to to and actually what it does is it it it, it uh, uh, promotes a, a atmosphere continuously of confusion uh, especially out of non-white listeners and uh, this is not in the job description to the to the uh, the uh, unknowledgeable non-white black person who has who is uh, vying for the job or is on the job, it definitely wasn't in the job description. And I have seen personally from uh, non-white black people who are in administrative positions the results: alcoholism, uh, in some cases suicide. Of course, uh, uh, they would. Uh, take it out on people in their pr private lives, the, the stress that's involved in it. And it, it appears that uh, Mr. Brown uh, is in that position right now. In other words, when something that happens to white people, even in that, that that's not good, they would, they would get the most out of the incident by using and or mistreating a black person. And in this case, as I mentioned before, it is, it's uh, Chief Brown. It's Chief, I believe it's Chief Brown, similar to, as I mentioned before, the, the mayor of Philadelphia, who did not, I don't think, fully understood on what he was giving uh, a, a uh, endorsement of when that bomb was dropped on that, on that uh on the apartment that killed killed all of those uh, non-white black people. Uh, I know how very deceitful white people can be when they're when they are uh, in a consultation position, advising position. They're very tricky. They're very deceitful on it, and they can give very deceitful uh, uh, negative information 
that would cause a person of authority to make a bad decision. And uh, this is basically what uh, I believe uh, Ms. Cox was describing in her article. And that's all I have to say. Uh, it's, the article is on, you can, you can uh, read it on Yahoo. On Yahoo, uh, uh, if someone wanted to uh, uh, do that. And that, that's, that's all I wanted to say. Thank you. Absolutely. Extremely important to uh, understand that dynamic racist. Uh, they have been very effective on the job and the system of white supremacy in general. Little racial showcasing. Uh, give a black person a script or what have you that they're supposed to read or they've just told them this. You're supposed to do this, this, this and this. And uh, the black person is supposed to carry it out or else. Uh, and then a lot of times victims of white supremacy uh, we will get upset with that black person as opposed to recognizing that once again, they are not in charge. The problem remains whites. Extremely uh, important to keep all that in mind. Uh, I'll post that article as well on my Facebook page. Folks can check it out if they're so interested. Uh, that will do it. Mind you, I just want to say brief, mind you, Chief Brown and the the young fellow who just got the job in uh, uh uh, just got the job. Where's, where's that, uh, the job uh, that had where the city where the riots took place recently? Baltimore. That's from Miami. Oh, Ferguson. Uh, uh, Ferguson, right? Uh, both of them received it. They wouldn't even. They wouldn't even gotten their job if it wasn't for the protesting. <laughs> That played a big part in them getting the job, and and, and he tells the he tells the protesters come work for come work for us, uh, uh, which which the statement implied would would imply that they don't have a job, you know, in the first place, you know. But anyway, it was just a thought. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, racist man, racist woman, racist child. They uh, have been on their job, remain on their job. They do not take vacations. Uh, we will be here tomorrow. A uh, brand new book uh, has been just a uh, pleasure the past couple months reading Medical Apartheid, but we are all done. Uh, brand new book, Blood Brothers, uh, on the late Muhammad Ali and Minister Malcolm X, their friendship, <clears throat> how it deteriorated. Uh, and just thoughts uh, on the connection between these two individuals. The book just came out this year. This is another time we get to do a book that just came out. Uh, it literally was published <clears throat> about <clears throat> a matter of weeks uh, before uh, Muhammad Ali passed uh, last month. So that's the book that we will be starting uh, tomorrow. Uh, it is written by two white males, so we will certainly have to have our counter-racist uh, listening skills attuned, paying attention to word choice and how this material is presented. I have not read this book yet. Uh, just as I said, it's brand new. Uh, but some of the people uh, who listen to the program who are a bit less confused who have been reading it, they have said it is constructive. It does have uh, a lot of good information. Uh, and I'm looking forward to reading it. Uh, should be a hoot. But that'll be 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. We'll be here Saturday, the compensatory call-in, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, we'll be here Sunday, uh, the global Sunday talk on racism. Quite a time to have that discussion uh, with the Brexit vote and 
uh, the Dallas uh, shootings. They had the attack in France today. It's quite a bit going on. The Olympics right around the corner. Uh, that'll be Sunday, uh, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific. Again, that is the early in the day broadcast. Uh, so, folks, if you uh, have the time uh, to dial in and share, and then uh, it should be. Uh, at the beginning of the week, Norm Stamper should be back. Uh, he has been everywhere. He was on Democracy Now! today. Uh, he was on News 1 uh, talking about the shooting in Dallas. He has a new book out. Uh, he was on Democracy Now! today, and he compared the police departments across the country and the practice of racism uh, to slave catchers. Uh, and I gave a slight eyebrow raise, uh, but that was on Democracy Now! with my best friend, uh, Amy Goodman, uh, earlier in the day. If folks want to check that out, they talked about Nakia Jones as well. Uh, but he should be back uh, at the beginning of the week, uh, Norm Stamper. I think this will be his fourth time uh, on the cows. Anywho, if you have questions, confusion, gripes, guest suggestions, drop an email until justice at gmail.com. Until justice at gmail. Dot com. Uh, we'll be here in 24 hours uh, for the Friday book study. Uh, <clears throat> sobriety would be best under conditions of white terrorism. I know it's summertime and people are out frolicking, going to the beach and all that other stuff. That's great. You do not want to lax in your codification, particularly given the time and circumstances, everything that's going on right now. You do not want to make the job of the Daniel Holtz clause, Darren Wilson's any easier than it already is. And beyond even enforcement officers, you do not want to be under the influence and have to have <clears throat> a conversation or be stopped by just a random white citizen. They can cause a variety of problems, including taking your life. You're going to be in a vehicle, driver, passenger, even as a pedestrian. You do not want to be intoxicated. Uh, again, you never know those blinking lights. That could be the moment that you encounter Daniel Holtzclaw. Being intoxicated can make that situation, will make that situation a thousand times worse. Let's be able to make the best decisions to keep ourselves as safe as possible. Uh, you and anybody else that you might be responsible for. Uh, thanks again for tuning into the program. Invest if you think the program is constructive. Racism-notes.blogspot.com Racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com listener supported counter racist radio paypal button is in the top right corner if you're not into paypal drop us an email we will get you a physical mailing address uh, huge thanks to all the folks who have invested supported us seven and a half years hope the program has been continues to be worthy of your time and energy uh, that said, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately cows signing out thanks all for tuning in nigga you so brainwashed i'm a victim What's brother problem? you're a victim uh, i'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning shut up the man has programmed my conditioning mm -hmm.
Even my conditioning has been conditioned. Ah. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.